TB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. It is the last episode of season two, so this is going to have proper last day of school energy about it. Paul Murphy, how are we getting on? Good, Will. How are you? James Skell, how are we? Right. Right. Well, that, that brings us to announcements. I promised on Twitter earlier that we would have two announcements, so we'll get to announcement number one. Announcement number one, James Skell, your brood has grown by one more. It has. We had a baby girl on Thursday called Robin. Uh, it, was, it was quite the experience, lads. So, Grace, obviously, I've you know I've very little to say on how things go, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, she decided to do uh, what's class as a home birth. So, this is all new to me, obviously, you know. Uh, but it was uh, it was quite the experience, I have to say. And she is way tougher than I am. <laughs> but it was actually very nice, I have to say. Yeah, so she was born Thursday afternoon. Um, so well, firstly, was, con- congratulations. The second natural follow-up question here would be, why a home birth for child number three and not for the first two girls? Uh, the first one, I think, because I, I think, now I hope I'm not speaking on return here, but just, you know. You probably are, but go on. You're turning it's a <laughs> with the first, you know what I mean? You're not sure about how this whole process goes because you haven't done it before, obviously. So you want to be in the hands of, of other professionals and, and have every kind of, I suppose, uh, an emergency item available to you. You know, whereas the second one, she planned to have a home birth, but um, she was like 17 days early and that coincided with the midwife being on leave. So she had to go into the hospital. Um, but then, yeah, second was born in a toilet in the hospital. Yeah, that was great. Um, and then the third, she goes, no, definitely have the third as a home birth. So, yeah, we don't do it easy. Like, <laughs> let's, 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 let's make it a bit more exciting than, than the standard birth. <laughs> You're doing a huge amount for the Capitago Camogie team, though, in fairness to you. You've, I am, yeah. It's full back time cover, though. Full backs are covered now at this stage. Yeah. None sure. of them are going to be goalkeepers then, no. No, I'm not doing with them. Not There's no glory in being a goalkeeper. My eldest girl is only four and a half and she's gone down and started training early. And she's <laughs> she's intent, fully intent on winning the goals. Go ahead. And then she comes home after, let's say, one of the sessions was last week, the week previous, the week previous, and she goes, Daddy, I was in goals, yeah. And she goes, I'm better than you. And I said, that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better than you. <laughs> so was, was, was her intention to win the goals purely to be better than Daddy or was she naturally drawn towards the goals anyway? I, I think she's um, so. It's obviously, she's, she's attended some of the games, the club games that I played uh, last year, and she's 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 behind the goal. So I think she's probably drawn to it uh, from looking at me, and also she's not bad. Just, I'll give her that. <laughs> she's not bad, and she's not afraid of it. Whereas other kids don't want to win the goals, as you can even with the soft touch balls and the really big soft soft ones. Mm. She so a lot of the kids won't go in. So she's she's happy to go in and has the red helmet and is. Intent on staying there, but I have to get out there. I don't want her going to go. <laughs> when your Galway career finished, were you ever tempted to go out the field? Because I was in Mungry yesterday um, at the charity game where they were raising money for the Children's Hospital in Crumlin. And Owen Kelly had gone into goal because at this stage he was saying, look, the legs, once he's gone past 40, isn't carrying him enough. So he goes and goals and does a job for his team, continues to play senior hurling. So that's understandably goes to switch there. Yeah. Nicky Quaid likes to play his club hurling out the field. He was injured, so couldn't play yesterday, but was there watching. And, and he was saying he kind of enjoys being out the field and getting the chance to do it at the club. When you finished with Galway, were you in any way tempted to go, hey lads, I could do a job for you out the field? Um, not, not at the time, because I suppose in terms of replacements that we ha- we would have had, they were that was twenty that was twenty twenty with so that was let's say obviously mm. three years ago. Um, the two the two keepers we have second and third choice at the moment are, are, are young guys, they're like nineteen and twenty. 
you know, so they weren't quite at the age of time. Whereas now you'd say, yeah, I could shoot outfield and have two very, very good replacements behind me. <clears throat> but it's just the, the body would say no. And the game is too fast. Like it is, you know, like if this, if this was 10 years ago, there, there could be a chance of it. But nowadays, like even senior club hurling in any county is is extremely, extremely fast. So I don't like I wouldn't have the pace to to uh, to play into our system for sure because our lads, our forwards are nippy, fast lads. So I wouldn't fit in <laughs> very well there, and I wouldn't go on the backside. I'd be too slow. I'd be drawing them the main slaps like Murphy does be at now last weekend. <laughs> Not for me, no. I should look at it like I. The, jo- the joke used to be if I went outfield, I could score X, but then we con- we concede Y. So to, to, it wouldn't be uh, if you're clearly counterproductive. And plus, there, there would be the possibility of, of um, excessive fouling. Put that with you. Hmm. Um, you've started okay in the club championship, though, as well, Skell. I saw you were sixth on the power rankings before the championship got underway. So I was wondering if that was going to get stuck up in the dressing room at some point. So uh, it was the backdoor podcast once upon a time. I think it's now the Maroon and White podcast. Mm-hmm. Had you in sixth place, and I was there thinking... You know what, they've given gave St. Thomas is a good run in the last two or three years. Maybe they should be hired in six. So how did that go down in the dressing room? Um, I'd say the other lads didn't really make note of it. I saw it right yet. I was going, geez, OK, fair enough. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep that in mind. Now, in fairness, we haven't won the championship. You know, we didn't get to semi-final last year. So it's, it's hard to argue with these things. But it's, uh, it's not about how you start, Will. It's about how you finish. <laughs> Unlike fancy football or fancy hurling in this case, Murph, as you would say. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Skelly's still really under that one. <laughs> Just like, I, I still go back to a decision where I took out Evan Island. Like, what was I doing? Like, why? That was after, I think that was the week after the Galway Kilkenny match where he actually scored about oh, 12 points, wasn't it? No, I, I, did, I didn't put him in for the first game, for the, the when he played the, the Wexford game, the first game. Mm. He's, he shot the lights out. I don't know what he got. He got like 10 or 12 points, as you said. Then I put him in. And he played, he played before at the Kilkenny game. Uh, didn't shoot the lights out. Then I took him out. Shot the lights out again. I was like, jeez, I just didn't help myself at all. And I give you a clear lead. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know how you justify that to yourself, Skell? You go, I'm the reason he's scoring quite well. Because if he's in my team, he's going to get injured or he's going to be off form. When I don't have him, he'll score. So it's better for Galway overall. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't win the championship. And I wouldn't mind, Murphy. If you bet me by 500 points, I'd say, all right, fair enough. But you didn't mean by a lot. Like. What, what, what was it in the end? It was only... It was 30, 30, 30. So technically speaking, I don't think it was that close. I don't think it was that close. I don't think so. I think I'll have to get VAR to check this. Well, the only thing <laughs> it was it was resigned to the ashes basically after the semi-final. So I don't think it was only thirty. And then you just copied my team, leaving yourself no chance to actually beat me. So <laughs> no, I listen to me now. I didn't copy your team. <laughs> so let you, me see. You were the one who said you copied my team. Well, I, you know, our teams were, were were very very similar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I finished with 17.95 okay. uh, points, obviously. Yeah. And Mr. Murphy finished with, where are you now? I have to go find you now. That's a worrying sign. That means he's a couple of pages <laughs> above you. Oh, and shit. It, Sorry, excuse the language. You finished with 19.28. Damn it. So, you've, yeah, That's okay. Small, it's more than 30. 130. So, 133. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, next next topic, Will. Keep going. Yeah, <laughs> no, we, we can keep going. Uh, we'll do the second announcement in a moment. But uh, Murph, Dainsford, how have you started championship then? Uh, yeah, we got bet by Mullinavat um, yesterday. Uh, I think it was about eight points in the end. But um, yeah, they were just much stronger than us. We stepped up from intermediate now from last year. And Mullinavat have been just been a consistent 
um, senior team for last year is the Beto Lachlan's last year to lock the Lachlan's out of the championship and the Lachlan's pretty much every year would be county contenders as well so um, yeah like I mean it's just everybody wants a good start obviously like you know everybody wants to get the two points on the board whether it's senior intermediate junior whatever it is and uh, but there's been a few results like you know um, Lachlan's bet Tullerone by six points and like Tullerone I think a lot of people would be tipping as you know, this year could be the year that Tullerone actually go and win a county championship potentially. Like they're certainly was it like last after. year they were back in the senior final, or was the year before last year? Uh, no, I don't think they're in. Jesus, yeah, you have me now. Uh, no, I think they're beating the semi final last Same year. Thing. Ballahale actually bet them last year in the semi final. Mm. But like even I suppose you'd look at Tullerone and you'd be kind of saying there's development in there in that team to go at Ballahale. Like particularly last year because people were looking at Ballahale going these lads only get stronger closer to get to the final kind of like Limerick. So you were kind of looking for a team that would kind of relish that sort of challenge and I think early days people would look at Tullerone and say they're a very proud club very proud bunch of people as well and they'd relish that just to get going for them you know so um, but no look I suppose uh, from our own side you know we didn't get to win at the weekend but look there's there's four more games to go at now and look it's just it's just do or die kind of stuff with the with the senior in Kilkenny like look again every county has I suppose or the, t- the top counties do have competitive senior championships, but I suppose in Kilkenny with 12 teams there, there's not a big safety net. You know, you really have to be kind of winning your matches early doors. Um, and if you're outside kind of what would be perceived as maybe the top four uh, in Kilkenny, everybody else is kind of really just duking it out after that to try and keep out relegation, first of all. And then... I suppose have a tilt at a quarter final, semi final, push on from there because the last few years with Kilkenny, you know, we've seen the bigger teams, you know, the likes of Ballahale and these, not because they've had like let's say they went well previous years, they maybe don't go so well to start of the league, maybe find themselves in relegation, and then there is suddenly a big team in relegation who will happily kickstart their year on towards county final from a relegation semi final, which in Kilkenny, I don't know what way it works in maybe other counties, but you can still go and win the county championship from relegation semi final in Kilkenny. So you really just want to stay out of that area, you know. So look at here again. There's four more matches to go. Um, look at a lot can happen, but uh, yeah. Are you, are you, in, two, are you in two groups of six? Two groups of six, yeah. And what what, what happens? So the is the top two come out to court? Or how does that work? So you have t- top four are basically straight through into championship. The top uh, you have the the league final then as well. Um, but you also have then so the bottom two from each group go into a relegation semi-final uh, and play each other and the winners of that continue on it's basically first round of the championship so the winners of that continue on and do a quarter-final and then the losers go into a relegation final and, and basically right. fight it out then so um, like there is opportunities to get out of it there like you know and but it's just it's it's that thing of that kind of squeaky bum time when you get into a relegation semi-final um, yeah. and it, it's cagey then like it's just so fucking cagey the games are tight like you know so oh, it's ridiculous uh, so you, you you're, are you guaranteed six games in regardless yeah yeah regardless yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. Is there any shadow boxing though, given that you know four teams qualifying? So if you win, say your first couple of games, you probably know you're going into the knockout stages. Does it kind of drop off a little bit in intensity, or are just kind of naturally the rivalries you have there that you're going to have tight matches anyway? No, I, I don't think shadow boxing would be would be ever considered there. Um, the games are really competitive, and I don't think because it's such a short window, and teams just want to keep their form and keep the confidence up within the teams that there's no real room for shadow boxing. Like you want to get through and you kind of maybe don't want to give the mental edge to another team by maybe putting out what we perceive as not a stronger team in the end of the league. Cause you could be facing these lads anyway in a few weeks. So 
I, I haven't seen it now. Like all I've seen would be the likes of the stronger teams potentially being able to rest a player that might be carrying a knock. Whereas the other teams would have to really play that player. Like if, if it's player on the Kilkenny team, you'd nearly have to play them because each match is so important to the teams that are not consistently in the top four. Do you know what I mean? So it's the shadow boxing is rarely, rarely done. Like even by the likes of Balahale or these teams, it's, it's, it's rarely done because it's not, it'd be too much of a gamble really to take, you know? Mm. I miss Burr's third group game. So went to three rounds, played now and awfully at this stage, lost to Rhinus on Friday, but Burr won their first two rounds. So a bit like that, Burr should really be qualified already, even with a couple of games to go in the group. So, and then a bit like that, the intensity kicks in when it gets to quarterfinals after that. But uh, a lot of the good work was done without Owen Cal while he was injured for the first couple of rounds. So we should be fine for the knockout stages. It brings us round to announcement number two. We're getting unleashed, lads. We're going to Leash Murph in a few weeks' time uh, for the first week of September. Wonder what's on. Little old festival in Strab Valley. And we're going to be there. Yeah. That's a big one now, in fairness. Ourselves and the killer is headlining Electric Picnic. On Sunday, yeah. You know, you lose Lewis Lewis Capaldi and you get the hurling pod. You get the boys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we hit the big time now. I always always knew coming out of Dan's Fort, I play Electric Picnic sometime. It's a slightly different vibe scale EP versus say the live shows we've done before where people are coming to see the show and are probably big hurling fans and it's mid-season and whatever else. I wonder how this is going to go down when someone probably on a come down from the night before on a Sunday or maybe has been at it for two days uh, wanders into the podcast tent on the Sunday and goes who the fuck are these three? <laughs> well, that's exactly what came to my mind. Like when I, when I, uh, when the news first broke say, within our own group, mm. I immediately put myself into the position of a, one of the festival goers. After two hard days, tired, probably wet, you know what I mean? <laughs> Hung over. And like, look at these three lads like talking, hurling the hurling championship over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just trying to picture it because obviously we don't know who is on before us or after us or what way the lineup works. But I was just trying to picture like, you know, you have blind boy going on and being all philosophical and telling a few things and people going in saying yeah do you know what this will be good for my headspace after you know listening to whatever for the last while or people rolling the dice saying I'm going to Joanne McNally here in Vogue Williams or whatever but like there's definitely going to be lads coming in not and lads and ladies no, not about hurling and here's <laughs> talking about the preference of using a size 37 hurler or 31 hurler <laughs> 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 so it could be, it could be quite niche. niche. It could be quite niche for the electric picnic crowd. I, I think if you go through it, lads, we've covered a broad range of topics this year. We have, yes, broad, yeah. not just hurling. We've covered uh, entertainment and television, obviously. We've yeah. covered uh, yeah. farming at a time. Mm. We've covered politics. We've covered hurling. Brickling. We've covered. Uh, we've covered uh, the birth of babies. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like, that's, that's what I was going to say. It's like if someone walks into that tent, some way you're just like you're after getting a hot dog. I don't know if I was at oxygen two thousand seven and two thousand ten. So like, there's a little lull there where you might have went to another show. And you go get a hot dog and you're like, Do you know what? I'll, I'll roll the dice on one of these other tents and you just walk in. But there's like, if there's like three lads, one from Galway off in Kilkenny talking about home births in the middle of the tent, and you're just like, you know, you're like, what is this tent? <laughs> what, what is this about? And a big off the ball sign behind you. So um, I would say to someone, if you are coming along, give it about three minutes and then walk into the tent and see what we're actually on. It could be the golden yeah. cleric we're talking about, which Gettle, you don't know anything about, or home births, or kind of what else do we talk about? Off the wall sort of stuff. You getting thrown off the Iron Islands. So who's who's to know? Like, 
Yeah, yeah, it, is, it, it could be. Yeah, yeah, and look, the good thing as well is everyone else is going to be sleeping in their tent for the two nights before they come in. We'll be nice and refreshed. We'll try and bring a bit of energy to it, and if nothing else, it'll probably be a good place to get a seat on a yeah. Sunday afternoon while they're getting ready to go back out and see the axe. So there yeah. you go. There you are. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Uh, look, my intention is to get Scale to get a selfie with Brandon Flowers at some point because I think we have one of those performer wristbands as well. So okay. I assume we can just walk around and find the killers at some point in their caravan. If we can just go and pester really famous rock bands, I'd be happy if that's all we take away from today. Yeah. I don't want it. And introduce, you can introduce Scale to them by saying like he's like the Irish George Ezra or something like this. Have you not, have you not heard of this man? <laughs> James Scale. <laughs> <laughs> and the good oh, yeah. news tickets sold out for Electric Picnic I think about a week after they went on sale last year so we don't even have to promote you guys selling tickets so if you're coming to Electric Picnic come to the podcast tent on the Sunday I'm sure the three of us will probably have the details up of what time we're on at between now and then uh, but that is Sunday I think it's the 4th of September it's definitely the Sunday of EP anyway come along and it should be a bit of fun How um, out of curiosity actually how many does yeah. Electric Picnic hold how many actually go is it like oh. 80,000 is it 100,000 oh, I think it's over 100,000 generally Yeah. can we like put this on our like Twitter profiles and LinkedIn and stuff that we've played to like 120,000 people even though the tent might only hold a thousand 100% <laughs> even if there's 23 people there and they're just there to hear Scale talk about watching Father Ted I'm fine with saying perform perform to six figures at some point <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just a little asterisk beside him very small writing after saying that a potential crowd of 120,000 yeah yeah, I like I like the way you're thinking. Um, so yeah, that's all to look forward to. Of course, uh, the Hurling Pod is brought to you by Borgosh Energy this year. Hurling, it is anyone's game, promoting inclusivity in hurling. Uh, before we get into our various different categories that we wanted to do for the final round of episode and some of the questions that have come in, loads of questions came in on Saturday scale. I was not expecting this about Johnny Glynn. At least four people tweeted me on Saturday going, he's back. You got to yeah. talk to scale about this. Yeah, he's back. He lined up for Ardrahan on Saturday. <clears throat> Excuse me, they played Castlegar in the first round of their championship. Um, probably people would have probably maybe sided with Castlegar as being, you know, they've been perennial senior A uh, team for the last number of years. Uh, and Johnny Glynn started for forward and he was catching airplanes. <laughs> like uh, every ball that went into him, he was catching them. Like he's just a freaking menace. But like I was delighted when I heard he was full forward and the first six balls went into him, he caught the six of them. Like he couldn't do anything with him. I said, yeah, that's why I put him full forward in my team <laughs> for the rest of the country. Uh, and formed well and Ardrahan, uh, they saw a victory. So a good start for them. Great. Like, so talk about a guy to get back into your team though. Like if you're a club, if you're a club and you're, you know, you're training away in January, February, whatever, going through your league games, challenge games, etc. And actually just get in Johnny Glynn. I mean, Sweet Jesus, like such a guy to get in. It's like have, it is like having an all star come back into your team and uh, and just make such a huge mammoth difference to it. Like you know, you know the way in club teams, like one lead makes a huge difference. It can make can turn the tide for a team, can turn their trajectory. Like, like that's that's the kind of ability he has. Like so, and I like, I, I I'd be positive about it. I, I'd hope this could lead on to greater things. I could hope this could maybe hopefully we see him in a maroon jersey some sometime soon next year. Are you like throwing his passport into the Shannon here? Is that part of the plan? Uh, I'm going to lock him in a dragon, yeah. Just, just, just <laughs> get one of them collars, put it like the dogs. You know, he gets electrocuted when he leaves the country. <laughs> yeah, just can He's going to stay, yeah. Like, again, he'd be some addition to have. You know, if, if, if somehow, and I, I presume to say that the Henry and his management team or representatives were at the Ardrahan game at the weekend. I'd say they saw him. He's in, like, more for we met him in the Crow Park Hotel. He's mm. quite lean. You know, he's in great, great shape. Mm. So it wouldn't take an awful lot to get him back into probably inter county shape. Obviously, he's been playing football for, 
for New York. So look at I'm it's wishful. It's wishful. I know his career is well set in New York with himself and his wife. So I'm 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 hoping. I I I leave the, the doors open for him. <laughs> the doors open for him. So I'm hoping he comes back and he puts on the jersey next year. Well, that's one of the things, Murph. I mean, you picked up straight away when you met him in the Crow Park Hotel. This is a colossus of a man. Mm. Yeah, like it's just, I was saying there that um, when you're on the pitch, like there's loads of big lads around. Like as in when Johnny Glynn would have been coming on, like let's say we would have had the likes of Brian Hogan or someone standing centre-back or Niall Burke or these lads. They're all huge fellas. Uh, so you don't really get a grasp and you're already running past lads and stuff on the pitch as well. But he walked through the crowd in the Crow Park Hotel and he was like miles above lads. But also the... Like the the, the width of his shoulders and everything I was like Jesus I've never actually just you know I didn't I didn't really realise how big he was until I see him coming through here and then sure the photo then like of the three of us was yeah what are you six foot four or five like you were big mm-hmm. as well and sure I remember after the picture my wife was like Jesus you're tiny compared to those lads and I was like yeah it doesn't look great when I'm standing beside him there but he's huge he's a big man like yeah, you know he's, he's very um, and like you just you can just see the potential in him if he was to come back that the amount of jobs he could do with that alone, like just with the strength of being a menace like that. I mean, Jesus, he's he's big, big man. I wasn't like expecting it. Go on, Skelgon. Sorry, well, I was just going to say the first place he landed for me is full forward. You know, really and truly. Yeah. Yeah. Come in there and like, obviously you're, you're, you're pitting yourself against the champions every year. So Slimmaker's thinking, what could he do a job against him? Fire him in there and let them, let them have at him. And like as yeah. good and all as, 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 as every team in the country is, like he's a handful for everyone, for everybody. Yeah. yeah. So like, that's why I'm, I'm wishful. But, yeah, I give it a 50-50 chance. Well, see, the thing, Murph, is I kind of expected Joe Canning at the live show to kind of have a bit of a laugh about the idea that Scale had put him into his hypothetical best of the rest from the country. Yeah. But Canning straight away was like, no, no, this guy is the ultimate man to field the ball for you. I'm not surprised he picked him. Yeah, in fairness. Um, I, I think maybe just because he hasn't been around in a while, we just presume that he's had his feet up and that, you know, he's not capable of coming back and that he may be out of shape. But like, what age is he? Scale? Is he twenty nine? Is he is he thirty? Like you know, yeah, he'd, be, I mean, he'd be less, would he? Is he? Like, yeah, I say he'd be thirty. I I I hazard in terms, guess of, in terms of physicality, like I mean, like you're saying, he's playing football for New York there. Like I mean, he's he's like he's not sitting around doing nothing. Like you know, and then obviously you would have seen a lot more of him in training in terms of what he's capable of. Like we see a flicker of it in matches and stuff like that. But like you remember the years there going back. Where, where he was really hitting his peak and he was out, you know, usually kind of left half forward position, lumping balls down and invariably catching him, even though lads were well warmed to him at this stage. Like, so, oh, completely like, um, it's it's funny even hearing Joe talking about it as well, like kind of doubling down on what you were saying, Scale, that, you know, he wants to come back. He provides something that maybe not a lot of players, even in the country, never mind Galway, provide. So, yeah, maybe it's not. It's not as uh, it's not as mad an idea now as as as, as we were kind of making out to be. Me mm. turned thirty last month, by the way. Yeah, so it's getting this case with you now. I think it's the case of a, a stop clock being right twice a day. Like <laughs> you're throwing up shit at the wall. Something will stick. No more. Like what's McGregor say? Mystic Mac, Mystic Jim, Mystic Jim here. The other one we didn't get to try about scale last week because we uh, we took a one week break just to uh, let things breed for the football for a week and come back this week um, was a Paul Bellew, the Galway chairman, was speaking about Henry Shefflin's uh, tenure and he was saying that he's going to stay on at least one more season, but the hope is they'd be there beyond uh, next season as well. So he confirmed uh, that he will be in place for next year, Henry Shefflin, and then he said, "quote Henry is on board for next year, but we're looking at extending it beyond that." Henry is indicated 
the willingness for that and so have we so now it's a matter of finding a mutually acceptable agreement but it's great he's on board and continued the work that's been carried out so far end quote so Mm -hmm. are you happy first of all that the Sheffield is staying for at least one more year definitely yeah 100% like and like in fairness I suppose it's not too long ago like whereby you know we were in a much different position let's say two years ago who's going to take over the team and then we got we got we got him um he's been two semi-finals beaten by the eventual champions obviously and you know he's done good work and I think when he took over the team that the word transition to be thrown out a bit you know but it, it is like he is trying to transition new players into the team whilst you know, maintaining some of the older guard and probably over the next year or two years if he stays on more that has to happen like we, we don't have a situation like you have in in the Limerick and Clares where they've got pretty much their set 15 you know, for, for the last number of years like we have guys that probably more guys are going to have to get introduced uh, over the next few few months and I think he's the right man to do it and, and in fairness you know in Galway anyway we do be guilty about you know like having unrealistic expectations I'll put it that way to you sometimes right and we let's say after after the game against Limerick we thought Jesus we do we change things we change personnel change whatever but the management team we have at the minute between Henry and his whole management team as a whole the backroom and all inclusive etc is brilliant like it's brilliant you've, you've some of the best people that, that that you can possibly get in any county so I'm I'm quite content that he's staying I hope that he's all the, the that all the backroom team can stay with him because um, again it's it's a, it's a difficult job being in county management from a time perspective and that's that's what people forget to as well it's like that. Like Henry's traveling from Kilkenny, uh, what's that, two and a half hours leaving? Is it more? Is it more? Is it? That's three hours, yeah. Is it three hours? Yeah. yeah. See, I'm East Galway, so I suppose, but when he's traveling to yeah, Sydney, probably yeah. it's yeah. three hours. And as he was, he four or five children. Do you know so, like, it's well, a difficult, think, difficult yeah. task. So, uh, um, so like you'd be saying, instead of Richard, but you'd be saying like that it's 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 good that that I suppose Paul Belly and his team have managed to, I suppose, hold him <laughs> for the next 12 months at a minimum. And, uh, and let's, let's revisit again after that. So I think the hurling public as a whole in Galway are all very, very happy that he's, uh, that he's staying because, as I was saying to you, he's very well got on a personal level and a professional level. So let's, let's, let's keep it rocking. Get behind him. There was a lot of article scale kind of saying, oh, maybe Galway have uh, not built on the progression of, say, year one or a feeling that this year maybe wasn't as good as last year. Now you've had kind of a month since Galway have exited the championship. What would be your response say, to that idea that maybe Galway haven't actually pushed on from 2022? Yeah, but I suppose pushed on is, I, I understand what people are saying. I get what they're saying. Like um, progression for us would have been get to a final, you know, um, or, or win, the, win the Leinster final. I was I was more upset last year in the, in the manner in which we lost the final than I was this year. Would you believe? Yes, because I, I thought we put ourselves into a position to win this year, whereas last year we didn't really. So, like I, you could say, we progressed slightly. Then after the final, the way Limerick uh, operated in the second half, you know, the way that wasn't the Kilkenny, Kilkenny didn't capitulate. Limerick were just awesome, and that kind of made me feel a bit better about Galway's performance. To be honest, in, in the semi final, I was saying, yeah, look, Limerick can do this to anyone, you know, truly speaking. So. I think our, our, our progression is going to be incremental when you come up against a team like Limerick the whole time. You're not going to be saying to yourself, right, we're going to win the championship, Garrett. Like we, we have a 7 out of 10 chance, 8 out of 10 chance. Like it's a difficult proposition against Limerick uh, in, in their current form. So I think the next level of progression, I think we have to have to get some kind of silverware, whether it be like a league or, or an Insta final at, at a minimum, whilst contesting heavily for the championship. That's the next level. So I think a lot, an awful lot will be told, um, you know, in seven or eight months' time when we when, when the when the provincials roll around again um, but I, I would I, yeah I wouldn't discount what people say about about how the how the year unfolds because sometimes you can you can they say you're only as good as your last performance which I get 
and our last performance wasn't hectic, you know, but ultimately it coincided with coming up against one of the greatest teams of all time. So that has to be put into perspective also. Murph, I assume the feeling in Kilkenny is that's grand. He can keep the seat warm and go away for a couple of years. Sure, we have our management in place now at the moment and Henry can come back at some point and be Kilkenny manager. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think anybody... I think the feeling in Kilkenny is nobody's looking that far down the line at the moment. Um, like There's been loads of lads from that team, that Kilkenny team of his generation, that have entered management and are really good options down the line. I think that's just pe- what people are putting it as because people are really happy at the moment with Derek Ling and the management and what they've mm-hmm. done and the feeling around Kenny. Um, look, obviously disappointing to lose the All-Ireland, but I think people, like I said at the time, kind of ma- made peace with the fact that it was a really good Limerick team. So people aren't looking around at the moment going, okay, you know, will Derek stay X amount of time? How long will he stay? And who's replacing? No one's even looking at that yet. Everybody's kind of going, but you know what? We had a good year. Um, where are we going from here? What's you know? What are we going to do next in terms of you know bringing players in and all these different things? But I think just people are 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 kind of I suppose safe in the mind that whatever Derek King decides to do down the road, that there's lads out there, not only Henry but the likes of Eddie Brennan and these lads who have proven that they're they're really good you know managers um, and likes of David Herity and these lads. So if we were to go down the road eventually of that, you know, whenever that day comes there's lads out there. So, of course, Henry's always going to be in that conversation. I think people will always want Henry involved in Kilkenny Hurling at whatever stage. But, like, speaking for myself and, and, and you know, everybody in Kilkenny, like, it's, you wish Henry well, obviously, just not beating Kilkenny. Like, you want him to go and achieve what he wants to achieve because he's given so much to Kilkenny. So, it's great to see that Galway have, um, I suppose, endorsed him even and that they're saying, look, we, we, we want you to kick on. We want you to do whatever you want to do. And I think the big thing for Henry as well is, like, can't forget, this is his first venture into inter-county management, um, you know, with Galway. And it's a big job to step into. And, you know, each year is going to come with its own learnings. And I do agree. The one thing I was going to say, Scale, while you were talking or I was thinking of was that the silverware is the thing now, like, you know, the Leinster Championship or the league. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think, I wouldn't differentiate between either. Like, obviously, the Leinster, Galway would be hoping to win because it's getting towards the business end of the year. And if you win a Leinster, you're giving yourself the four weeks and all everything goes with that. But at the same time, if Galway went and won a league, that would be good as well because it's a bit of silverware. Okay, it's probably second to the Leinster one, but it's a bit of silverware and it's showing that you're headed in the right direction. So that is the next priority for Galway. Um, and from, from everything I hear, the Galway players as well are, you know, are really happy with what's happening um, and are very supportive of it. And maybe maybe happy to have the voice from outside the county as well at the moment. Maybe that's what's good for Galway. So look at it. It's, it's great, I suppose, they're talking of 2025, not just kind of going another year to go in 2025. So um, look, it's, it's, I suppose it's a, it's, a, it's a hat tip to Henry and it's, it's a, I suppose, you know, showing the support that they believe in that he, he does have what it takes to bring Galway to the next step. Hmm. Related question to you, Murph, because a few people brought it up on the YouTube after the live show last Monday week after the All-Ireland Final. Were we a bit soft on Kilkenny? generally after the final uh, in what way that we, we probably were we, were we a bit easy on them because the focus seemed to be uh, Limerick blew them away in the second half no team could have lived with them and therefore there wasn't much criticism of Kilkenny after having a couple of weeks to think about it now were we a bit soft on them at the time I don't think so um, like you could look at you could look at Kilkenny and say Kilkenny lost the game but like that, I think that would be doing a disservice to Limerick to be honest because Limerick for that last half an hour genuinely saying it I don't think any other team would have done anything different I mean I think people might wax lyrical and say oh my Clare team or my Tipperary team or my Cork team or my Galway team would have oh we would have done this we would have done that 
I, I was sitting beside Kieran Carey, and I remember just saying to him, just turning to him, kind of going, "Like you're 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 unbelievable." And he was just saying nothing at this stage. He was just reveling in what this Limer team were producing. And I think to be fair, there's some moments where you have to turn and look at other teams and go, you know, you just down tools and you didn't do enough. But there's other times you have to look at the winning team and go, you are just the better team. And like it, it even goes back to what we're talking about the club matches there. Like, I mean, we were beaten yesterday by eight points. You're just looking at their team going, no, you were just much better than us and that's it. And yeah, we have things to work on. But at the end of the day, year after raising the bar, and that's what Limerick did. They completely raised the bar. And we talk about teams peaking. They started kicking on in the semi-final against Galway and, you know, pushed on. But like in the All-Ireland final, what they did in the last half hour, I don't think any team has produced that kind of performance in the last five, six years. I'm trying to think of an equivalent performance of the second half. The only one I can think of is Limerick against Tipperary, where they were down by 10 points in Porky Cueve. Like, just just something that no other team could produce. Um, and like I, we saw in the comments as well where people are saying, Arkel Kenny in a worse off position this year now or a better position um, than they were in the All-Ireland in 2022. I don't think it's about Arkel Kenny in a worse off position. I think they're actually in a probably a better position, but the scoreline doesn't reflect it because Limerick are after kicking on. It's not a case of that Kilkenny are after slipping away from Limerick um, or Galway or anybody else. It's a case that Limerick have now, everybody's asking the question, are Limerick, have they peaked? Is this their peak at the moment or are they going to fall off? They answered the question in the final by actually stepping <clears> up another notch and stepping away from the pack. So I don't think we were softening to Kenny um, because even my own feeling coming away from the game was just that I was proud of what Kenny did and I was able to just accept that, you know, Limerick were just awesome. They were just absolutely brilliant. So um, I think you could look at it negatively and you could dive into things and you could be, you know, very hard on Kenny if you wanted to be, if you want to go your way. But I think... No, you would have just you would have just been doing a disservice to how good this Limerick team were. Hmm. Not asking to go out your way here, Scale, but were we too soft on them? Um, I don't think so because I remember uh, speaking to Jur uh, <clears throat> Gilroy and off the ball AM after the twenty twenty one final when when Limerick beat Cork, hmm. and I was kind of critical of Cork in the, in the way that they set up defensively, like the, the kind of the floodgates opened in the first half and and all the goals were gymnastic and it was very very badly structured. For the Kikini game uh, this year, I was like, Kikini weren't badly structured. Like, they were just beaten. That, that's really it. Like, and you can take that um, on a personal level, let's say, if, if I'm beaten by a better team having died my boots on, I can't say a word. You know what I mean? I can't say a word because some days you just have to put, put your hands up and say, yeah, they're better than us, and simple as that. And I just think Kikini, like, again, pose the same question as him. Do they progress? And I would say, yes, they did progress. Yes, they're beating the final, but they progress with a new management team. Which is, a, which is a major change in any, any kind of setup, not to let alone in a senior intercom team. So they've progressed, to say, under, under new personnel, and they'll get better, I'd imagine. But Limerick just produced a performance uh, collectively from a coaching perspective and from a hurling perspective that has never been seen before. The, the, the level of dominance they showed in the last 15, 20 minutes, um, I could only equate back to when Kilkenny bet Waterford in 2008, I think it was. I think it was 2008, yeah. That, yeah, that, 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 that was a level of dominance that I'd never seen uh, up to that point. So, so what, that's what I'm saying about Limerick. That's, that's the levels we're talking about. We're talking about that level of performance whereby no team in the country has done it in the last number of years. So uh, it's very hard to say, you know, Kikini were, you know, they, they did X, Y wrong, lads gave up, lads, you know, et cetera. That didn't happen, to be honest. They, just, they were just completely outclassed by a, a better team. And that, that team is much better than everybody else. It's, it's a simple fact at this stage. 
But there you go. I said I'd bring it up because there's a few people did bring it up in the <clears> comments <throat> and thought that maybe Kilkenny were getting on a bit off a bit light because all the focus was on the four in a row. So I wanted for us to look at a few kind of different topics before we got to the questions which are coming from the listeners. And again, loads of them have come in across the Instagram and the Twitter this afternoon since we sent out the bat signal. So best game of the year, lads. Murph, I'll give you a first shout. What was your best game of the season we've just seen? I I had a toss-up between the first Clare-Limerick game and the McDonough final. Um, granted, the standard of hurling was different in both, um, but for the sheer excitement, I went to the McDonough final. Um, it was just, I remember watching it, just going, this is an absolutely crazy game. Like, Offaly took off at a great pace. Carlo come back into it then. Uh, and I remember we were actually hurling um, a match locally that evening and I had to go out to the car. I was raging. It was going to extra time because I just wanted to see it finish. I had to go to the car and I was listening to it on the radio, old school. And it was just as exciting on it. So for sheer excitement um, and producing what we probably want to see from the likes of McDonough finals in that, like if you know you're turning it on, you're going to see a brilliant game. Um, it was a tough it was a tough call between both of them. But I just think, you know, fair credit to both teams. It was a brilliant, exciting match. Um, and okay like I said not to the same standard of Clare and Limerick but nevertheless brilliant game so my my game of the year is my McDonough final yeah I, I'm kind of inclined to go the same direction excruciating finish and in very very similar circumstances I was at the, at the McDonough Cup final up until 70 minutes finished then I think I told you at the time in the pod back then I had to go to an event in town in Dublin so I was trying to watch in the RT player and for some bizarre reason it was geo-blocked and I couldn't actually see it so similarly I'm sure you were on KCLR I put on the Midlands 103 commentary to listen to it and yeah. at all times I kind of felt like this game was drifting towards penalties and eventually I got to the hotel I was going to and saw the end of the game and got to see the last three or four minutes of the match when I got in. Mm. And I just, it seemed like it was destined for that. And it was score for score for score. And then Carlo produced the score to win it at the end. It was proper Roy the Rover stuff if you were a Carlo fan watching the game. Particularly when I felt like, I think towards the end of normal time, that maybe the game had swung in Offaly's favour because of the nature of their second half comeback and then David Nally picked up that injury where he'd thrown his arm in to try and block the ball and it looked yeah. like maybe there'd be an opportunity at the end where Offaly had a couple of frees to try and win it in normal time and I'd agree with you the standard of hurling was not quite the same as some of the matches we saw at senior level this year but for blow for blow excitement for goals for controversy refereeing decisions um, for players putting on the line during the game Hard to beat that Joe McDonough Cup final for just sheer entertainment. And it was on those as well, scale with the McDonough Cup final that day because it was on its own slot on the Saturday and because it was on TV. In a weird kind of way, it probably got more prominence than when it was before a provincial final before. Yeah, well, I suppose when it's on before provincial finals, it's obviously perceived as, perceived as the, you know, second year and, and, mm. and the second kind of... Uh, Event, nearly the warm-up event. That's not to be disrespectful. That's just reality. So when, when it's a standalone fixture, it's given the, the platform it serves like. And I, I, uh, I came in on the game probably 15 minutes before uh, after I started, and I just couldn't turn it off. I couldn't like, I couldn't uh, stop watching it because it was tit for tat, and it had, it was the strangest feeling game because he thought Carroll will will, uh, will run away. It was an awfully comeback, and then the way it finished, where awfully had a chance at the end to to try draw it and bring it to penalties. I was certain it was going that route, and it didn't happen. Um, 
tricky proposition for Offaly to, to contend with. But like a great game, and I think it's a, it's good for our game, you know, as a whole, hurling as, as a whole, when these type of games are showcased. You know, granted, you can say um, you know there wasn't a huge crowd, but that's that's irrelevant. The, the, what we're looking at really is is the the product, and the product that that Carlo and Offaly produced was excellent. So the more. I suppose you know that people can get to view that and get to see it. Only does the game good. So, and it was it was a great you know advocate for the actual championship itself, the McDonald Championship. The only thing is, I suppose that for those two teams uh, particularly, not to put a downer on it, is that they were, they had two daunting tasks in such such a short time span again after that, with regards to taking on the two teams they did so. Uh, but I think that's, that's that's actually gone now. I think is they're they're, they're toying with that to remove that. Situation. Looks looks like it's gone, scale. Yeah. yeah. So they have to make a decision on it. I think in the coming weeks. But all the soundings back from the county boards where they were having the discussions, they're happy enough to. I think the phrase they're using is decouple it from the senior championship. So winning the McDonough Cup would be the reward in and of itself. So you get the silverware, you're promoted to senior for the next year but they take out the preliminary quarterfinals, which yeah, like, also, an, also might give a bit more wiggle room in the schedule for both competitions as well. But, but as an as an awfully man, will I say, I'd say you, not to speak for you, but I'd say you would have been content with having the year finish at the, at the Madonna stage. 100%. Rather than facing down Tipperary, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, especially, yeah. Uh, and like none of the losing teams have ever won a game in the preliminary quarterfinals afterwards. So it's yeah. such a kind of weird task that you have to go back as a team to go training for three to four weeks after the McDonough Cup final to get ready to play against generally the third team from Munster who will be maybe licking their wounds after not getting through to a provincial final mm-hmm. but have been hurling at a much stronger level for the whole year. And generally the beaten McDonough Cup finalists have taken a fair old kicking when it comes to the preliminary quarterfinals. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think there was really any great benefit in it. And I would hope, and we'll do our hopes for the 2024 season in a little bit, but I would hope that maybe they could have a look at the calendar for the McDonough Cup for next season and for it not to feel as rushed as it was. Because yeah. for teams who went well in Division 2A of the National Hurling League, straight away they were outplaying the first rounds of the McDonough Cup. And I think it definitely affected... Kildare's championship to be going out so quickly after losing the league final to be playing pretty much the next week in the McDonough and then it was just so condensed and then you had the final and then you had the break to the primary quarter final so it felt like the McDonough Cup schedule was almost um, being tailored around the Lee McCarthy to a certain extent so if they do decouple it I would hope that the organisers of the competition could now sit down and maybe allow the McDonough to go a little bit deeper into the summer Yeah, yeah. Your yeah. pick for, for game of the year scale what would it be? Um, I went through the there was a couple I was tying with as, as, you, as you well know it took me a while to decide it um, nice. but I went for Clare and Limerick in the group stage of the Munster Championship um, for a couple of reasons I suppose the game itself was was, was excellent uh, they had two cracking games the year previous and this was the first time they are going to meet uh, Limerick were obviously going going for this un, unbeaten record that Kikini had uh, they hadn't been beaten in Munster for since Tipperary bet them back in 2019 so and I think after Clare's performance against Tipperary in, in this year's Championship People were saying this could be, you know, Limerick, Limerick could, could hide them, you know, and they didn't. Like, and I suppose the last five minutes was was as exciting uh, a period or a passage as you'd get in in the whole championship, especially you know, when Shanahan came on and got two points, and then you know the crowd erupted like it was really. And then coupled with the fact that I think John Connell was uh, was his brother getting married the same day or somewhat. So I think it just it, it, it created a good event, but the match itself itself was excellent. And yeah, look, that was my game, and it was there was a couple of close seconds. I thought really. The awfully uh, Wexford-Leinster under-20 final was really good down in Carlow. That was an exciting game, especially how Offaly had a man sent off pretty early, to be honest, and uh, managed to see out that. That was an exciting game. But yeah, I went for Clare Limerick. Hmm. 
Okay, good picks. Um, awfully probably overrepresented so far in games of the year, but I won't complain. Um, so two of us going for the McDonough Cup final and Skell going for Clare against Limerick. Part one, I would call it, uh, of this yeah. year's saga. Um, we'll give you a first out then, Skell, given that uh, we'll go around the tracks each time. Best goal of the year for you? I think this is going to be an unanimous one, lads, because I went through uh, kind of all the goals I thought could, could be nominated and one just kind of was sticking its head above the parapet and that was Shane Donnell's goal versus Kilkenny. Uh, I kind of, it reminded me of, if you remember, Damon Hayes scored running against Tipperary in 2005 on the same side, on the, the hillside where he threw, I think it was Hugh Maloney out of the way and barely passed Cummins. Very similar here, you know, very similar in, in the sense that he showed a level of power that you wouldn't really associate with a man of his size. I mean that in a good way, you know, like if Kyle Hayes did it or Garrett Hegarty, yeah, say yeah, he's like Garrett Hegarty did it to Richard Reid last year, last year's final. He'd say that's because he's a mammoth, you know, he's huge. But Shannon Donnell is not exactly huge, and he turfed off uh, Tommy Walsh, I think it was, and then roofed to pass a fabulous goalkeeper. So, and at the time of the game as well, like that that goal was needed for Clare, and it just added to the fixture. So yeah, that was that was a class goal by a class player. So he's my pick. Yeah, it's da- it's dancing feet, Murph, added in with a little bit of precision at the end of it too. Yeah, and like you know, at the moment. Like if you're teaching forwards um, to score goals, far be it that I'm teaching any forwards to score goals. But like we we do we do speak of like bouncing the ball. Have you ever scored goal? Sorry, uh, I have. Yeah, yeah, I scored. Oh, oh no, for like senior. No, like for no. for for James for senior or for or for not a penalty now. No, I, I scored one minor for Kenny against Dublin Leinster final in 2007. I scored one late enough on. Other than that, oh, like you playing in midfield. I was playing centre back and uh, did a bit of a dahi work on it then like Dublin were kind of beaten as well I think they pushed me in no maybe I was midfield then at that stage and I just went up and just got a ball and hung it up but the game was over at that stage um, so Jesus it's it's uh, back from I played <laughs> when I was playing junior B for Dane Swart but I was back when I was about 15 I'd say um, I scored a few goals as wing forward but Jesus it's, I can't remember the last time I scored a goal since then um, but anyway Shane O'Donnell uh, yeah, like that's <laughs> <laughs> a good answer. Anyway, as I was saying, Shane, I just got very aware that there's Clare fans probably listening, going, "Jesus Christ!" The one time we're talking about Shane O'Donnell here, um, no, but the thing about it, like, yeah, like I mean, now we talk about balls being too good of a height for keepers and they saving them and all these different things, but this was just old-fashioned roofing the ball into the net, which like we all love it. We all have seen the net burst, like you know, for sticking it in. But I remember, you know, I was when I was watching that in uh, Crow Park. It was just the way he ran on, pushed Tommy Walsh off. But then the way he just hung it, like as a sporter, I, I just, like the Kenny sport, I just kind of laughed at the time because it was just such a brilliant goal. You were kind of going, Jesus, like you can't have any arguments about that. But uh, yeah, it was just everything about it. What wasn't to like, like the determination when he got the ball, like the Clare fans yeah. sensed that there could be something on here and maybe sensed that he might take him on and flick it in, kind of Shane O'Donnell style. But then just went with the leaning into Tommy Walsh, throwing him over. And I can't remember who was actually covering back, but there was another defender. I think it could have been Killian Buckley who was covering back. And he, Tommy Welch falling over kind of took Killian Buckley out of the game as well. And then just hanging it up, you know, ju- about an inch or two under the crossbar. It's class. Brilliant goal. Like, you love to see it. Except when it's happened to your team, obviously. But. <laughs> <laughs> there was kind of a few others I'd, I'd considered for different reasons rather than, you know, the aesthetic brilliance of the other Don't finish. I, I can feel it coming. I can feel it coming. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, <laughs> 
No, the, the one that obviously jump, jumps to mind would be just the drama of Buckley's goal in the Leinster final. It's not the cleanest yeah. strike in the world, Skell. I'm not going to claim that in any way, but it's just... No, but like, it's one of those things that happens at the end of a Hollywood movie where the ball comes out, it gets kicked out to an unlikely player to score the goal. Yeah. You're thinking, there's no way this is going to go in. Surely Galway will get a block on this, or if not, the goalkeeper is going to save it. There was a certain kind of dribbly quality to it, to how it went in as well. It took a bounce before it hit the net. But because of the circumstance and because of the excitement of it, that goal is very exciting. And if I'm going to be totally biased, one of the ones that I really enjoyed during the year too, which was a fantastic finish, was Adam Screeny's goal in the game you were talking about, Scott which was the Leinster under 20 final where the ball gets popped off by Cormac Egan to him and I'm sure again the Wexford defence are probably thinking the angle's not exactly in his favour here but Screeny just kind of readjusts his feet and bangs it into the top corner on the far side so it was just a kind of a lovely pure strike about that goal as well so I'm sure again people get involved in the comments or send us a tweet and say you've forgotten some wonderful goals during the year that you haven't put in here but there are a couple that just jumped to mind another another one I think honourable mention uh, and Mm. it's not so much even the goal itself but like Carl Mannion's goal against Limerick it's like that was a great goal and what I think was so good about it was Kevin Cooney's flat pass bouncing it off the ground like if like that's such a small window to get that ball away to Carl Mannion and then Carl Mannion has to take it perfectly ball is bouncing has to take it and stay running like and then even as well at that you'd nearly give out to Mannion nine times out of ten for taking a shot from where he took it from as well because he's a little bit further out uh, and he hit that hip height at, at, at Nicky Quaid. So but that was a great one. And like I think what actually was really the best part of it was Kevin Cooney's pass. Like, that was brilliant. Yeah. And the pickup, you, like, you know how hard it is to do that pickup with one hand. Yeah. And the ball yeah. away from it. That was some pickup. And like, Cooney, but Cooney had to place it literally three yards in front of Mannion so that Mannion didn't have to break stride. If he breaks stride, he's caught, like, you know. So yeah. it's just the, the fact the flat pass was the hardest part of that whole goal. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... that's well, I'd also like to mention as well, Will, the way he said the on. dribbly quality. <laughs> like the, <laughs> as if that's, that's an endearing factor on the goal. Like that. I love how dribbly it was. <laughs> no, but like it wasn't a pure strike into the top corner, no. which in a way kind of takes your breath away for a different reason. It was almost... Yeah, yeah. It almost added to the tension that it took a bounce on the way in. <laughs> yeah. It kind of like... Yeah, it yeah. felt like it almost went in in slow motion. And I don't mean You're that really in, a bad, in a bad way. Why don't you just get some more salt and put in my wounds here? <laughs> Please, yeah. Yeah. Um, best point of the year I'll go first on this one because it just stands out as a remarkable score in the All-Ireland Final maybe it is reasons he biased to a certain extent but for me it's it's Peter Casey down by the sideline effectively where the managers walk around at the Hogan stand side and he just bangs it over with a bit to spare over the crossbar it was just kind of one of those moments in the All-Ireland Final where it felt like yeah Limerick are going to win because they've got players where everything they're hitting is now going over the bar. It mightn't have been the most important point, but it was just an absolutely stunning strike. Yeah, it was probably a really important time as well where it actually they were really building momentum. And like a wide there could take a small bit out of their momentum. But like, like you said, when you just start hitting balls that shouldn't go over sometimes and they are going over, then you kind of know the belief kind of creeps in there. We're like, yeah, this is, this is our day. And I think that was, you're right, well, that was a kind of a defining moment where it was like, okay, Limerick are, they're starting to move on, they're pushing it on here a small bit. But it was like, technically and everything, he had so little to work with there that it was just a great score. Yeah, Like NBA Jam, he's on fire pretty much at that point. And then he went inside and did damage from there as well. So he did a very complete All-Ireland final. Um, Murph, what are you picking as your point of the year? 
I'm actually very aware now. I'm nearly getting conscious as if we're, we're trying to shoehorn awfully into this, which we're not. We didn't actually even speak about it before what we were picking. But the great I, entertainers, Paul. The great I entertainers picked Adam Screeny's point, the Leinster under twenty one final or under twenty final, the one inside the fourteen where he rises it. And if oh. you watch him, he rises it. He's towards the end line. He turns back and has a look at the goal, and he's about three yards from the end line. And by the time he strikes it, he's in, still inside the fourteen from what it looks like. And he like for all the world curls it over. I mean, look, there's only one angle on the on, on the shot, so you don't see a whole lot of it. But that was just like in in a time now where we're all about you know shooting from the angle that gives you the highest percentage shot and all this sort of stuff, like which we all talk about, of course. Just that there's always that room for that bit of inspiration and score, that bit of hurling with freedom. If you believe you're going to score, pop it over. It was just brilliant. You know, it was absolutely brilliant. And just kind of showing with the likes of Adam Sweeney that the players coming through, that there still is that swagger about them, like, and that they still have this creativeness about them. But that was just an incredible score. Important game for for awfully expectations on no more than Adam Sweeney, a lot of other players, but just out near the sideline on the 14 before the 14 and just taps it over like I mean that was just um, I just thought that was a brilliant score I'm not going to lie Skell what was going through my head when he turned back onto his left hand side for that shot I thought pass it back to someone in a better position to shoot yeah well that's what we're hardwired to think now like you know in fairness but there's there's certain players wouldn't you agree as I say if they have that bit of flash or that bit of you know that bit of X factor built into them let them do it you know, I, yeah, I would never. I, I presume he's tried that numerous times for his club and for his school and whatnot, and probably missed them. Yeah. But like he, he's the type of player now that I would say, let them. Like if if Galan yeah. takes on that shot, let him. <laughs> Do you yeah. mean let him because they're capable of scoring it in big moments. And but like I'd, I'd even say with that type of score, though, you can only take that when the confidence is up. You can't take that shot when you know the confidence is down and you're looking to get yourself into the game because that's yeah. when they go wide because you overthink it. But like if you look at it and not to be dissecting it too much, but it's like you know he knows he can score it when he rises the ball and has a look at the goal and he's facing the end line looking and going yeah I think I can score that turns back and pops it but like I'd often be saying like when I'm chatting to even like you know club players and stuff just saying that like sometimes things aren't working out for lads and hit two or three two or three wides or whatever the likes of that shot isn't a shot you should be taking unless you fully believe so you have to leave it on like you know get your scores that are the easier scores that are from the better positions and then when your confidence is up that moment will just come. It'll just appear to you and take it. But don't try and bring yourself into a game by scoring from the 14-yard line on the sideline. Just doesn't always work. But look, his 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 pump is up. His back was up at that stage. So he was, yeah. he was well entitled to take it. Scal, <laughs> what's your point of the year? Uh, I went for the same game as you, Will. I went for, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I went for Aaron Galan's point. I think he was the 16th point uh, to, to, to draw Limerick level against Kenny. Mm-hmm. I, I went for probably a couple of reasons. Number one was the passage of play. Uh, the commentary was excellent. And then the finish was savage. So, like, you, you remember, I think he was, was a Massey Keown that slipped and then Dan Morris, he got rocked by TJ. Mike Casey comes out with the ball, first big roar from Limerick, passed it off to Hegarty. Hegarty shifts his great first touch by Flanagan. Flanagan sees an, an outrunner in Galan. Galan jinks to his right and pops it over off the left in the Cusick side. Savage. Like, just a savage. And then Marty Morris's commentary, I have to say, was excellent at the time as well. And that kind of added to the whole... Uh, I suppose, you know, score itself, the whole passage. So I went for probably, the point was savage, but the passage and, you know, the whole collective was was class too. So that's what you're looking for in a sport, like as a neutral, like that, just them kind of, you know, tingly moments whereby it, it all comes together in a savage passage of play. Sorry, Murph. And, uh, and Glenn rocks a, a serious point from a serious player. Like. 
Jesus. There was something quintessentially Limerick about it as well, Scal, the way that they actually worked the ball into that position. And then you kind of back Galan's own individual brilliance to take the shot from, again, you know, more so than what we're talking about Screeny, a very difficult shooting position when he takes that shot off. Difficult, yeah. And I think I think people don't, like, when Peter Casey got his point on the sideline, the Hogan side, he was he was uh, in motion. He was moving forward, right? I don't think people realise how hard it is actually to, st- to stand and strike, pivot off your back foot and strike it, let's say, probably... As the crow flies, it could have been 55, 60 yards. Do you know what I mean? Mm. In that direction. So that's that's very difficult to do statically. You know, um, if you've got a bit of motion, it's easier. So, but there's a whole load of things that happen in that, in that passage. Like the, like the first touch from Seamus Flanagan under serious pressure from Tommy Walsh. Great first touch. Really, really good. And like if he missed that first touch, the whole play is dead. You know. So like mm. there's just there's a series of things that happened. Um, like TJ Rock and Dan Morrissey. I haven't seen Dan Morrissey not. You know, and TJ rocked him. And then I suppose Mike Casey flicks it out over Led's head and moves it on to to even Hegarty and in, in, small things will catch my eye you can see when Hegarty gets the ball Peter Casey is doing this for his hurl waving one as in come on let's, let's, there's something on here but then Hegarty shifts it into the into the 15 corner and the rest is history mm. Fantastic score Murph Yeah no great score and like again you can look at these things granted you were beaten but you can look at these things objectively and say isn't that a brilliant score like I mean why not I mean, no point in like if I was to sit here and say oh no that wasn't a great score <laughs> sure, like I mean if you're disgraceful no they're brilliant scores and like even if you look at the likes of Galland and, and Peter Casey's uh, I'm, in, in my mind's eye now I'm trying to think back Galland's one it's like he steps back and strikes it up into the air which like that ball follows a, dr- a different trajectory than Peter Casey's one where he's still moving from what I remember like yeah. Casey's moving towards the sideline as soon as you strike that ball it curls and it's curling right for Casey there so you have to change where you're shooting whereas Galan takes that back from Flanagan and steps back and pops it that ball is going to go straight so it's just even the skill of that which is instinctive for players like they know about it but Casey's one Technically, it's probably a bit harder because he's moving and has to adjust his body position. And no, what? I think yeah. He, I think technically yeah. it is because, like, Mikey Butler, I think is going to block him, and because Casey's moving and he's leaning towards the sideline, leaning back, when he strikes that ball, that ball will curl right. I'm fairly sure. Like, I mean, curl, he's a right side player. She curl left to right. Left to right. Yeah. yeah. So he has to adjust for that. What's harder with Galan's one is generating the power by stepping back and popping it up into the air. And they, you're kind of then, because there's, like, we're really getting into it, but because there's spin on Casey's ball, he can control that a lot better. But Galan's one, because he's popping it up, whichever way the wind is going, the wind could catch that and take it because there's no spin on the ball. So, like, there's there's elements there if you really want to get into it that you could admire for. They're both very hard in, in their own ways. But I just think because, let's say, Mikey, Mikey Butler is a little bit closer to Casey and he's putting the hurl up, and Casey is thinking, I have to start this ball to the left of the post to bring it back in. You're aware that Mikey Butler has the hurl up and you could send the ball now through Mikey Butler's hurl and he gets a block on it. So I just think there's a, there's a bit more there for Peter Casey in a shorter space of time to think of than yeah, to actually is. get that ball over the bar. But like, I mean, again, you're, you're splitting hairs here, like, you know. By the way, if you have the notebook ready there, Skell, that was four mentions to add. So I think we're up to 60 now at this stage for the season. Yeah, right. I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I did I didn't even notice I mentioned it once actually yeah <laughs> Jesus I was counting them because I didn't see Scale writing them down he was too engrossed in you chatting about spinning the wall so. I actually thought you were going to say like oh did, he mentioned Peter Casey a lot there I forgot about <laughs> the other man I actually I won't lie to you Will I was just listening I, I love this hurling nerd, nerds kind of talk right mm-hmm. so yeah. I didn't even notice what he said in terms of <laughs> who he mentioned yeah yeah, yeah. What he was saying. 
Now I heard him. The alarm was going off in my brain, and I kind of went right. I'll just take these down because scale is engrossed. So I think that's a an even sixty, unless he comes up at some point in the next couple of categories. Um, moment of the year for you, Skell. On the podcast or in the championship? No, in the championship. We can do pod after that, but in the championship. <laughs> do you want a bit of time to think about it and get more? This one that cost me that. I won't lie. It cost me I a couple of smaller ones, uh, option wise, but I'm not sure. What moment of the championship? Yeah, like I, I, a moment versus a talking point. I'm, you see, this is where I, I struggle to digress, you know, or to you know, dissect between the two of them. So, go like, on. I'll, let, I'll let you have either of them. Go on. Okay, huge, huge talking points for the championship for me was uh, obviously the end of the Munster final. Was it free? Wasn't it free? Mm-hmm. You know, that was a huge. I know it's, it's not quite a moment of a year, but it's a huge. It's a mammoth talking point. Um, the Limerick second half performance, three on points. Again, it's not a moment, but it was just, it was, you know, captured in time over 30 minutes, whereby it was just probably the best level of hurling we've seen ever, you know, truthfully speaking. And then there was, um, I had uh, the, it was back to the minor in 21, 20s, the day in Thurlis, you know, just the event. Now, I, mm. again, it's not, not called a moment, right? But I just thought that the, the GA got, then they got lucky where they stumbled upon having to fix these games together and I just thought it was great It was, and it was kind of a, a sign of where things may, may, might go forward so I was kind of I don't have a moment Les but I have a few you know hmm. elements you could say so pick from that what you will I'm glad you said that I'm glad you said that as well Skell because for the last two weeks because everyone's been complaining pretty much off the back of the Jubilee teams coming out at 2.45 and no one really been in their seat before three o'clock for the best part of the All-Irelands everyone has said put the minors back in that is the solution put the minor mm-hmm. game back in I'm like have you not been watching the last couple of years that actually the yeah. minor final has been enhanced by not being part of the All-Ireland final day it oh, hugely benefited from having its own slot in 2021 and this year and I know we talked about it hugely on this uh, Monday after that uh, Sunday was that the 20s and the minor actually worked brilliantly together because it created a great day in Thurlis and this also creates moments as well Murph outside of Crow Park I know the players want to play in Crow Park and it's great for minors to get a run out there but think of the benefit to grounds like Semple Stadium and Nolan Park to get to host these All-Ireland Finals too and people not having to worry about getting a ticket where I remember how difficult it used to be when a minor team would get to the final and you're in the race with everyone else for the 82,000 tickets and it's very difficult to actually get to go while this guarantees everyone can go to the minor final Yeah it does and, and that is a big consideration obviously is that the the hunt for tickets then for like obviously you want to see the, the, the senior final get 82,000 people and the days that that does invariably it does obviously um, you don't want to be throwing another minor final into that to let's say where you have worst case scenario two teams that neither are involved in the senior final and now there's a scrap for tickets and it's kind of then okay well how many do we give to the minor teams how many do we give to the senior team counties um, exactly as I said there like I think there is more points like we did make the point that I think you still need something before the senior final mm-hmm. just to kind of get the juices flowing and you know there's space there for it why not do it but I think there's more arguments like you said for the minor in the 20s to be away from it because we have seen no more than Nolan Park with Offaly and Tip or like this year with the 20s and the minors that you know, all those players can walk out going, all this crowd is here for us. They're not here for anything else. This is for us. And like you said, we have 
the luxury of having, you know, your 20, 25,000 um, seizure stadiums that likes Nolan Park in this, or then in Munster, we have the few 40,000s, which will, you know, accommodate that size of a crowd. Why not use them? Why not make days out there? So I do think there is more of an argument to keep doing what we're doing with the 20s yeah. and the minors and keep them separate. And the more, like, together, you had skin in the game, you were involved in terms of actually involved with the teams. And you've seen, you know, what that's like. So... Yeah, like, I mean, I think there is more of an argument to keep doing that and don't fill the white space with the minor game before the senior game. Like, that was great in itself. Uh, the positives to that were, you know, minors. It was always a great privilege for the likes of, I remember playing up there and the seniors run before, and you felt like you were associated with the senior team by playing. Absolutely, it was brilliant. Obviously, playing in Crow Park, some players will never play there unless they play minor or 20s. But offset that with what we've seen with the likes of Thurless and these hosting the games, I think it does outweigh it at this stage. So, like... Yeah, when people are calling now for something to be on before the senior final, I think we need to maybe find something a little bit more creative. And also as well, I saw something on Twitter there, not to be getting off point, but I saw something on Twitter there during the week where someone was suggesting a full day of what should be broadcast for the senior hurling and football finals. Like, you know, if you watch, let's say, the final of Wimbledon is on or the FA Cup final, they, from nine o'clock that morning, you turn on the television, it's, you know, an old game, it's interviewing old players, it's talking about whatever. Literally a full event, the full day. Super Bowl's a full week. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's my NFL reference, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. Nobody's marking that down, no. Like, <laughs> but you no. know, um, uh, so look, I, I know I went on a bit of a tangent there, but I do, from what I've seen now of the minor and the 20s being separate from it, I do think it is that's the way to go forward. And we're, it's almost like we're creating our own little, um, it's like it's creating a sideshow that the GA could actually really make a big thing now. Like, let's say it's in Thurless this year, but why not, you know, Parky Queeve the next year, the Gaelic Crowns, and it moves. And it's almost like the Ploughing Championships, second reference to Ploughing Championships today, where it moves around and people get to go and you bring that to Tullamore, you bring it, you know, you, you bring it down to the Gaelic Crowns, wherever, wherever suitable. Um, and they benefit from it. So why not? Why not keep doing what we're doing? Yeah, well, we had an email that came into a slight tangent and off the ball last week, which... I think could it be very adaptable. I think it works for the hurling and it's a little bit more difficult for the football. But the idea scale was revive the Railway Cup but have it as an exhibition game on the All-Ireland Final Day. And I reckon you could do the Railway Cup and the hurling because what you could do is the Ulster teams could play with Leinster and the Kerry players could play with Munster. Galway will be with Leinster because of the association with um, you know, the Leinster Championship now at this stage. Mm-hmm. What you do is you have two provincial teams, call them Leinster and Munster, but allow the Ulster players to play there. If there's Connacht players who are of standard outside of Galway, they yeah. could play with Leinster as well. Let Kerry play with Munster and have a one-off game and play that beforehand. We you have no demand similar. for tickets. Yeah, we did something similar. Um, let's say you were playing Morph as well. Did you, did you play? 13, yeah. We did, yeah. We, we played, so Clare played Cork, obviously, in the replay. Yeah. Uh, that year's final. And then Morph and I were playing with Leinster and we played Munster in in like I suppose it was an exhibition game maybe it was two 15 minutes of size I can't remember what it was but like that's yeah. and I, from memory there was a good crowd sitting down watching that game there was yeah yeah, yeah because again you, 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 you top talent on show so I I have no problem you can call the Rebel Cup call whatever you want but like that type of exhibition game that, like even the players who, who would participate they'd love to participate yeah, yeah. yeah. love to yeah no problem I remember actually not to tell a story but after that game we obviously we, we talked out in the Cusick stand dressing room and yeah. um we left for gear there, so we said, gosh, look, we'll get it after the game. And obviously, Claire won, and we kind of watched a bit of the celebration, said, right, we'll head around here now and get her gear. 
they wouldn't let us down out of the stand into the because we were all dressed in like you know our jeans and our t-shirts we were like listen we want to get our gear and I was like get what gear we're like oh we were playing there before the game he's like what are you talking about? It was myself, Richie Hogan, Lee Chin, uh, <laughs> someone else. And I was like, that's, I'm having none of it. We're like, oh, honestly, go down to the dressing room. My gear is there. I think Liam Rush was there as well. And I was like, that's, I don't care. I don't know where you come up with this story. So we were like, Jesus Christ, how do we get down? So we ran someone anyway. And they let us down. And we got down to it anyway. And we, went, we were like, we're going for a few points after the game. So we were like, what are we going to do? And um, Richie was like, do you know what, actually? We might just leave it here. Like, we need to get a few bits. We said, do you know what? We'll just leave it here and we'll try and get it Monday morning or Tuesday morning because we're not going to walk out with our gear now. But Lee Chin was like, actually... Um, all my stuff's there. All my stuff is there and I have to give my gear bag off to my mom. I'm hurling tomorrow night, something like this. So he had to give it to, like, his parents. So we walked down to Jones's Road and, like, Lee Chin, like, was walking down in his going out gear but also with his hurling bag over the shoulder with two hurls in the All-Ireland crowd afterwards, the Clare Cork fans. And we were just saying to him, like, Chase, you'll do that for attention, won't you? Like, we, like lads know you're leeching. Like, we don't have to walk down with your bikes for gear. Like, and he was like, he was actually raging then because he was like, ah, oh, Jesus, I didn't, I didn't think this one through at all. But, um, but they are a good idea. What's another, I don't know, is it, I don't know, but lads laugh at it. But I remember the over 40s games we used to play years ago. That's kind of a drama as well. But that'd be some crack if there's an over 40s game. Scale, me and you aren't too far away from it. Oh, oh shit, this is worth Of all the things I thought of, here come over your load. Over 40s. Tell me it's a terrible idea. Tell me it's a terrible idea. Go on. Go on. What do we do? We'll give them five points for the game, too. All right, right, let's have five points. Now go for it. Absolutely. Mike lads up. Mike up, Larry Garman and the boys. Send out lads and just hurl away. A bit of crack. Like, why not? Um, I don't know. Yeah. Like, certainly, Railway Cup makes sense before. yeah, it does. Make uh, sense, by, like, by the way, Murph, there's no appetite yeah. for the Railway Cup in semi-finals and the final afterwards anymore. Like when it wound up in 2017, I think it had a few years where it had felt like the prominence and the sheen was gone compared to the years before. Like I remember lads used to talk about playing the Railway Cup in the 60s and 70s, and because there were so few championship games, often lads outside of the big few counties didn't get to play against the very best all that often. So I think the Railway Cup had a certain romance about it. Yeah. But in recent years, I would say over the last 20 years the Railway Cup never really felt like it had that prominence. I think this is actually a really good way of sneaking it back in. It's a good way, yeah. It definitely is a good way because, look, there was times as well where I vaguely remember that the Railway Cup, I think, would have been played in late December, kind of. It kind of, it changed dates, but I do remember kind of getting calls that, you know, kind of short notice that it was going to be on in a week's time in, 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 in you know, in December or something. And, like, lads are kind of gone to the four corners at that stage and using their time, you know, like going off on weekends or doing whatever. So it was mm. tough to round lads up. So maybe because like, let's say after, granted you're going to have a few lads going to America after knocked out of the championship and different things. But if you play the Railway Cup just after teams are knocked out, but they're not going anywhere yet because the club championships are coming up, you'll still have players around that and you'll still muster together, you know, good teams. So definitely. And I think if you're going on, going in saying like, is there anything on before the match? And even if there was some sort of hybrid of, like let's say Ulster and Leinster and, and Connacht and uh, Munster together playing against each other. I mean, you're going to see savage players on the pitch and people will go in, like you said, they're going to have a look. They're going to see, mm. you know, the likes of your Patrick Horgan playing with, um, I was going to say Liam Rush because he was in my head there from the last story. But, you know, if you're going to have to see players across the board playing and just having fun and playing away, happy days, it, it probably is the window. If you're looking to get it back going, that could be the shop window to do it. Mm-hmm. Boom. 
Motion carried. You can uh, you can de- decouple the Joe McDonough, bring back the Railway Cup final on All-Ireland Hurling. You can final. take it for granted now it's going to be played before the All-Ireland final next year. That's the influence um, Electric Picnic has on us with delusions of grandeur at this stage. Absolutely. And also, put the Jubilee team back out at half-time. Stop this yeah. 2.45. Ah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a, uh, it's, it's such a waste. It's no offensive, but like you have to have these boys at half time in the senior match. Has to well, you can time it as well because the teams go in for the best part of fifteen minutes on Ireland final day. Yeah. So what you do is you bring the Jubilee team out. You have them pretty much ready to go when the halftime whistle goes. You bring them out. You give them the respect that they deserve. Put it as part of the TV coverage. Like let TV take their first break if they want, and then come back and the Jubilee team are coming out. Show them on the pitch. Let them have their moment and their photograph as they come off bring out the goal games at that point and let the kids have their moment on the pitch as well and then mm. let the kids finish up and bring the teams back out. Happy days. I'm not asking for the Super Bowl halftime show here but there's not a huge amount of coordination to have the Jubilee team and then to bring out the goal games kids after that and mm. everyone gets the best of both. But to be fair, like you're saying, you're not asking for that the Super Bowl halftime show but it goes to show they can put a stage on the pitch and cover the whole thing and bring on 5,000 fans and get them off and the pitch is immaculate and it's fine. Mm. So surely we can herd out uh, a heap of boys there in suits for, for 10 minutes that's all it is like you know yeah. while there's a big crowd there we can definitely it's, it, it's definitely achievable so you opened up the Pandora's box there Scale by giving us a few different talking points for moment of the year moment of the year for me I'm going to keep pretty simple and it's not purely down to one moment in a game but it's West Me going 17 points down away to Wexford with all their injuries and coming back and winning and pulling off probably the most important result and definitely one of the biggest results in their history. I know ultimately they went down, but it was one of those remarkable moments where an underdog had their day this year, Murph. Yeah, in fairness, that that, that was a great one. And like for, for that brief moment, I remember seeing the celebrations afterwards. I'm fairly sure that wasn't on telly either. That was one that was not covered, wasn't it? If, it surely if wasn't. I was, yeah. I was working on the radio coverage of it. And, yeah. Uh, because I remember, like, yeah, obviously enough the uproar and all this afterwards. But, like, seeing the celebrations, because there was clips on the Sunday game then of the celebrations afterwards. And, look, that was huge for those for those Westmead lads. Obviously, look, a low point for, for the Wexford lads, letting letting that slip go and was part of Wexford's, I suppose, poor year. But, nevertheless, can't take it away from Westmead. Like, what a moment for them and what a marker for them um, to go and win it. And, look, as a standalone match to win and feel good about, that was brilliant for Westmead. And was, yeah, it was a great memory. What's your moment of the year, then, Murph? Uh, I've, I've changed it actually oh, since no. we've come on air yeah I um, or initially I was going to go I was looking at John Conlon like I mean just saying man the match against Limerick like a lad who's 34 years of age like again um, not to say that age comes into it but look it does it does as well like you know and on his brother's uh, wedding day you know John Conlon best man like it kind of can only happen in the GA where something like this happens the lad goes off and performs um or plays in a match, gets a man of the match and goes back to the wedding as a hero. Like, you know, it's just a great story. So I'm going to give that as an honourable mention. Like, it was a great moment. But since you were speaking about Killian Buckley's goal, I was only thinking about myself. Like, I mean, look, again, from my own point of view, it was just, I suppose, knowing Killian uh, and knowing, you know, the, the effort he's put in over the last few years and even seeing the interview he gave afterwards where, like, he got very emotional. And, like, a lot of people would maybe... I suppose be quite cynical to say oh look does Leinster mean this much or whatever and all these things and I think I saw a lot of people coming out afterwards he just gave a very honest interview and he's a player who's not interviewed a whole lot like you know he's not a fellow who puts himself out there he just goes about his business and he's a great lad but like you said Will you described it really well there like I mean unlikely fella to get the ball had a look around it wasn't even that he decided he hadn't gone for goal here had a look around and then just 
you know, wasn't perfect, but it went in and that's all that matters. And his celebrations afterwards, like there was so much with that. And because I suppose I know the fella and I know how much he's gone through and his dedication to it. He's just a great lad that for him to have his moment there was huge. Like he'll remember that for the rest of his days. Like regardless of what he does, he'll remember that for the rest of his days. So Murph, can I ask you to elaborate a bit when you say what he's gone through? Has he been through anything injury wise or what is it? Well, like from Buckley from when he was young, like he would have, I remember his hips gave him problems when he was younger and he would have had to put in a lot of work when he was about 18, 19, from my, if my memory serves me correct. And he came onto the panel and he was just a very humble fella. Like, I mean, he came on, I think he got man of the match in the league final. I think we played Cork and he was marking Sean Oak. We were only talking about it actually at his wedding because um, I think around the same time Sean Oak had been on off the ball and I was talking mm. to his dad about it. And obviously we're pulling out stories myself and Paddy Hogan, Colin and, and David Herity were chatting to his dad. And we're saying, geez, I remember the league final in 2012 where he marked Sean Oak. And his father was like, yeah, like so we were going, here's our young fella on Sean Oak, like one of the most revered players. And I think he was man of the match that day. And... You know, from starting from there, like Buckley's feet never came off the ground. He just kept going about his business. He came on in the semi-final against Tip that year when Michael Rice got the bad injury. And he's just gone from height to height. And he was captain of Kilkenny. We didn't win the All-Ireland. But like Bucks just always went about his business. And like Harry described the best where he's the type of fella that would take the inside out of a roll before he eats it. Like everything just has to be perfect with him in terms of his preparation and what he does. But none of it is for sure. Like it's all just so he can do the best he can, Without you know, him. put his best foot forward. That's all it is like, you know. So there's a certain factor of that that's so that's just endearing about a person where it's just it's just very honest, like, you know, it's just the way he goes about it. So um for that, and I think even meeting fellow players that would have finished with the Kenny, like, you know, Taggy or Eddie Brendan, these ads. Like, we were all kind of under the same, I suppose, had the same feelings when he scored it. It's like, couldn't happen to a nicer fella. Like, you just were going, brilliant. Sometimes, you know, sport is shit. Sometimes hurling has the worst days going. But then some days, things just work out brilliantly. Like, so that was one of us, particularly for lads who know Killian, who are like, do you know what? Like, fucking hurling is great sometimes. Like, you know. Now you, have, now you have me on his side now. <laughs> <laughs> now I break behind him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to do well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do you know. So uh, no, look, it's yeah. It was only when you were talking well about it there. I think that I was there going, Jesus, if I don't mention that. Ironically, not my goal of the year, but my goal of the year. So. <laughs> well, look, you found a way to to get it in at the end of it, and just another little dig in at Skehel as well by the end of it. Um, <laughs> we have a couple of other categories to do, right? But if you don't mind, I might do this category before we do the last two, which was that a load of people asked us to do a combined. Limerick and Kilkenny team. So Limerick of now, the Limerick of the Roaring Twenties and Kilkenny of the Noughties. So we're comparing two eras of four in a rows. Paul's recluse himself from picking the team because <laughs> no, I said don't neutral. Now, to be fair, I didn't. Like, Will, you texted into the WhatsApp and you said, Skell, you fancy a list? I was like, Grand, my name isn't being mentioned here. I won't have to show my bias. But I did hold my hands up before we started. I said, look, it, it is the one time I would like to feel that I'm fairly balanced and impartial. I try my best to be. But I think the fact that, you know, uh, looking at this, I find it very hard. And I'd, very, I'd actually just find it very hard, you know, splitting hairs here I think I'd come to a dead end on some of them because it'd be so tough and like do you know what's funny as well just to throw it in there is that mm. oftentimes when you're trying to pick these teams like this Limerick team undoubtedly is just absolutely incredible and you know if they do the five in a row as far as everybody would be concerned that's the greatest team of all time you know if they do that that's the question answered but you know you'd see lots of people arguing maybe online or different things saying that you know if you're picking a team of the year for this year for example some lads go oh you can't leave out you know, four-time or five-time All-Ireland or blah, 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 and, you know, whatever. So if you're picking this team alone, 
as Kettle is doing by the current Limerick team now and that Kilkenny team I think though that Kilkenny team probably had seven or eight all Ireland so you have to take that out of it like you have to look at it objectively really and go well what do players bring to each position so it's I think it's even tougher now Pickett I think when this Limerick team is finished mm-hmm. it'll be a little bit easier but even now I think it's a tougher thing because you're you're kind of half projecting with this Limerick team as well which is not easy to do but anyway okay. Skehill you can, you can throw a Pelters and Skells team here's I'll just abuse them from from, yeah, <laughs> as from as the sidelines you are the hurler <laughs> on the ditch <laughs> I'm, I'm just going, I'm just waiting here right need a wing back on Twitter sent us this team originally which is how we kind of dis- started the idea of doing it and yeah. a few other people sent them so here's Wingback's team so there we go he's got Nicky Quaid in Going with Sean Finn, JJ and Jackie Terrell as the full back line. Uh, Tommy's in there with Declan Hannan and Dermot Burns. Chaff Fitzpatrick, Keen Lynch in midfield. Garrod Hegarty along with Shefflin and Owen Larkin in the half forwards. And then you've got Eddie Brennan, Richie Power and Aaron Galan complete his team. Not a bad selection to start with, Skell, but I have a feeling you won't be exactly the same. Yeah, so I tried, to, similar to the draft, I tried to set a list of parameters here because okay. I felt myself going a bit sideways here. <laughs> See where the head off straight away. It's parameters, you've been given one. Pick the team of 2000. There's your parameter. Right. Go on anyway. Go on. So uh, I, I've got Nicky Quaid and Golds, right? Okay. The Nicky Quaid or PJ Ryan, and I went with Nicky Quaid. Um, now, the formation is 3-3-2-4-2. Three, three, two, two. That's the formation. That's the lines. I didn't go on traditional of 3-3-2-3-3, three, 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 okay? I think that's fine. I think it's, I think we can accept that some players will move out of the full forward line and so on. So go on. So I have Jackie Terrell, J.J. Delaney and Barry Nash. Uh, then in a Sorry, half, say again. Before, Sorry. You have J.J. Uh, Jackie Terrell, J.J. Delaney. And then Barry Nash. Why Nash over Finn then? Given that's the um, difference straight away. Because I, I said, right, if I need man-marking jobs and I need strength, I've got Jackie and I've got JJ. Now I want to let it go forward and play the ball out. I want to let it be sweeper or I want him to take shot. And I was like, that, that's Barry Nash for me. Okay. So like it, was, it came down to really a question of, like Barry Nash was actually, uh, JJ was first, then I put in Barry and I was like, right, Jackie or Sean, Jackie or Sean, Jackie or Sean. And I went to Jackie. Jackie was a class of fairness. Like Sean Finn is, Sean Finn is, is unreal. Is unreal. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like when you're combining these two teams, you're talking about again minor percentages, very, very minor, single, single digits. Okay, before um, we go to the half forward line, Murph, do you take any issue with Quaid being in goal? Firstly, uh, no, no. Look, in fairness, Quaid's excellent. Like you know, so like, <laughs> yeah, I'll be splitting hairs for all these now. But um, no, go on, fair away. Quaid's in goal. Okay, full back line. <laughs> He's dying. He's itching, Will. Like he's, he, he, of, he's itching uh, to pick it apart. Do you know what? Do you know what one thing's going through my head? And I just <laughs> this is like <laughs> meeting like randomly. I'll bump into the boys going, "You bollocks!" Like, uh, granted, they might they might look at this. Why? Why wouldn't you put me on the call? <laughs> just just name your team, and then I'll just deal with the wrath of why I didn't argue for all the ex players I played. That's not yeah. not making so, it. But go on. It's, anyway. part, yeah, it's yeah. part of the deal. Uh, full Fair back enough. line. Fair do you have, do you have an issue with any of the full back line you picked there, Murph? Um, Jackie, JJ, and Barry. It's hmm. tough. No, like I'll be honest, I probably won't have like as a, as as a starting point. I won't have an issue with any players you put in because they're brilliant. It's just that you'd be trying to figure out, okay, well, what dynamic have you got going on in that full back line? Like, as in, it's that's a well balanced full back line. Like, you don't have like for like players there. In fairness, Sean and 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 Jackie would 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 kind of bring very similar traits there like they're tidy they're they're they get involved and do you know what they do the kind of same purpose in that they break up a lot of play they get in primary possession and they, they launch the attack going forward then um so it's yeah it's tough like like and both of them i think 
Jackie has the few All-Irelands at this stage. I think both of them have the four All-Stars. So, like, I mean, if you're bringing it down to that stuff, like, they're in the same category as well, like, but... Um, JJ, like I mean, JJ, you had to have JJ wherever you're going. I nearly put JJ in the full back line and half back line, so like that's just my advice. <laughs> but yeah, no, in fairness, that's that's a well balanced full back line. Dan Morrissey, tough one. Mike Casey, tough one. Noel Hickey, but anyway, Mick Kavanagh, go on. Go on, your first three are safe, Scale. Go on. Safe, go on. So what, what Murph is trying to say is he agrees with me. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what did he say to you? Go on, go on. In a roundabout way, yes. Now, this is where things get a bit tricky now from here on, right? Uh, so I have Tommy Walsh, Jimmy Burns, Kyle Hayes. The yeah, halfback one gave, gave me the most headaches, lads. I couldn't. So you've moved Burns into an unnatural position, or are you going to play Hayes at six here where he hasn't played for a while? Who plays six? Um, I, I, actually, I actually have um, Burns at six, to be honest. Okay. And people are arguing, oh, you're taking him out of his strongest position. You are. Um, I just still think he'll do the same thing <laughs> in six as he'll do at number five. Now, the trouble is, where, where I got caught was, right, if I put Burns out of the wing and put in a centre-back, let's say Declan Hannon, or put in uh, John Tennyson, Brian Hogan, any of these type of lads, right, I'm going to get caught with Kyle Hayes. The reason being is the forwards, whereas the next likely position for him, I can't put him into it. I can't fit Kyle Hayes in the forwards. So I said, right, Kyle Hayes, you're going back at seven. Jeremy Burns is going in six, and the rest of you can shut up. <laughs> Simple as that. Well, I, I know that the, the Limerick fans are going to turn around, Scal. They're going to say, where's our five-time All-Ireland winning captain? And I still have him as captain, by the way. He lifted the cup with Hayes, so... Uh, he's the first sub coming on. <laughs> or lifted the cup with Kane Lynch, even, before it's I... It's as much as I can do here, honestly. We're talking so, about... So, okay, so Hannon doesn't make the team. You're happy enough to move Burns across because you want Hayes to be at wing-back and you want Burns to be in your team. Yeah, it came down to really, like, is, is Hayes going to be the team? Categorically, yes. I think okay. anyone, whether you're from Limerick or, or, or Kilkenny, are going to say Kyle Hayes is in your team. So... Is he in his team? If it came down to a, a, a decision between Hayes and Hannon, I'm picking Hayes. That's just the size of it. So I think the rest, I think it'll all make sense. It'll all come together, lads, when I name the rest of the team, okay? <laughs> it'll all come together. Right. There's Bolters here in midfield, so go on. Before this is the hardest thing. Come in, oh, give us the midfield. I went for Michael Finley and Keane Lynch. Okay. I I, I tossed hard with, with uh, um, in fairness, Che, Che was excellent, don't get me wrong, but I would have hedged Michael Finley above him. Power, pace, scoring, you name it, defence. I just thought Michael Finley was awesome, in my opinion. And then, sure, Keane Lynch. Keane Lynch, I, again, he was, if he was in the forwards, an unbelievable forward drops out. So I said, he's in midfield because he's savage. And sure, that's where he started off, wasn't it? He started off midfield? Uh, he did, yeah. He yeah. was in his midfield anyway in 2019 when he played us. And 18, 18, 19, yeah. It's only when he moves yeah. in forward years, years after. Now, the half-forward line is kind of a four-man situation, right? Okay. So, <laughs> Uh, I have Owen Larkin Henry Shefflin Garage Hegarty and TJ Reid hold on Larkin Hegarty TJ and who's your other and so Larkin Shefflin Hegarty and TJ Reid Shefflin's in the middle Larkin okay. is dropping off and then TJ and Hegarty are white Larkin's like, like a third midfielder job he used now, to, the only, he's the only one I'm going to throw a spanner in the works for you here that people will argue against is that TJ wasn't established on the team at that stage obviously he's exceptional and he, what, and he played he played against Watford I don't think he played against Limerick I could be wrong on that maybe he did no I don't think so but that's the only thing now before the comments kick off I'm just going to flag oh, I would definitely associate him I would definitely associate him, Skell, with the next run that Kilkenny had more so than the former I knew this was going to happen. I said, I looked through all the teams and I said he didn't even start to the final in 2008, let's say, or, 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 or nine. Uh, he actually came I think, on. I think he came on, he scored about five points against or three. Yeah. And I was like, was geez, I'll, I'll deal with it. And then the inside line, and I don't care, anyway, says what this is, is Aaron Galan and Richie Hogan. 
Ja. Når var de vandet? Jo. Jo. Det er det felt like you know when they asked Roy Keane who's the best manager he ever had and he said Brian <laughs> not expression I just said Brian Clough. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. But but come here I actually started on a second team then. But I started from the forwards back which was kind of ridiculous. And sure oh, the primary oh, the primary oh, were lads who didn't make it. I so I the second team I like I had you know again I had um and we're talking about unbelievable players here we're talking about Richie Power We're talking about uh, Eddie Brennan. We're talking about tipping Tom Morrissey. You know, like yeah. we're talking about generation players too. Chaff is Patrick. Like I couldn't fit them all. Michael Rice. You know, then Declan Hennig. Like so, it's just that's what we're talking about. You, you can make two teams out of this. So go on. So I, I, I left. So I left you off. are you're you're ready to defend yourself on this one when people come after you and say, "Well, TJ and Richie were better beyond that four in a row team," but you've put them in. Uh, yeah, that will happen. Oh, it'll happen, right? Yeah, it'll happen. It'll be argued, and uh, I'll argue back. Your, your your response <laughs> yes. is, I'm, I'm arguing on behalf of the people here. Go on. Your response will be, but like they were they were simply effective. They were still effective. You know what I mean? Mm. So okay. like they're, they're they're on the team. They're on the panels. They were there. They were participating. They were part of those teams. So why shouldn't they be considered? I know you yeah, might. Yeah. Say, no, no, it's fair. It's fair. Yeah. But I suppose the formation people I thought would argue with more. Why are you having four lads and a half forward? But again, I've a game. Yeah, I'm giving them argument schedule because it's not out yet. The podcast hasn't been released yet. Because when you say, well, the people, are you talking about myself and Will? <laughs> like, yeah, I think, I think so. Find, I think you'll find, and actually I encourage if anything, people will say something in the podcast going, what? <laughs> Why is this? Uh, what's, what's your man actually who owns, uh, is he own, does he own Chelsea at the moment? And I saw a story during the week that he, he said to Thomas Tuchel, You should play a four-four-three formation. Oh, Todd Taboli, yeah. Taboli. So it sounds like that now. In fairness, you have the numbers right. You have two inside, yeah. yeah. So that's a, yeah. an eight-seven Limerick split, is it? Kilkenny split. Kilkenny split towards Kilkenny eight-seven. Okay. Uh, yeah. Fair play. Well, look, it's, it's up. For, it's up for debate. The conversation is open now, anyway. We'll, yeah. You've thrown you've thrown it wide open. Last yeah. uh, few questions here, then. Favorite moment on the pod of the year, Murph? What was it for you? Uh, winning the tickets for my Kilkenny man in the podcast live in Dublin um, on my the subject I did not pick and Skettle I feel Skettle was actually favoured in this by giving the New, in, in New England Patriots Paul, whereby he could show off his resounding knowledge Paul, I won this right you, you got help from everybody okay who went home with the tickets the, you see that you got help from the, everybody from everybody the whole country is helping you And I was no, like, this is ridiculous. My no, poor fella. I no, I didn't. No, for people who didn't see it, it was like, obviously, right, the, the, the quiz wasn't released. But like Canning started shouting at myself. Uh, I can't, sorry, I can't even think of his name. from Balleragut. But started shouting at us. But I was full sure he was on your side. Like, why wouldn't I think he's on your side and that he's trying to throw us off? Like, he, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't give you any help. So I was like, there's no way Canning is trying to help me do scale. And he actually was. So, but I didn't know. I had no reference. So I was like, right, grand. Um, Though to, to the lad's credit, um, Scale absolutely killed it in the New England Patriots round, to his credit. Yeah. And it was very tight in the end. We went to a tiebreaker and it was, I think the question was the amount of all-stars that have been won by Limerick players since yeah. 2018. And do you know what and the beauty of it was? was the fact that you asked Scale first was... I know, and you got to say higher. The all-star. So I just get to go higher or lower. Mm-hmm. If I just go one lower, I win. And they did win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so good. No, granted, we were, we were a nice bit off. I said 44, you said 46, and it was 36, was it? 36? I think it was, yeah. yeah, it was in the 30s, yeah. So, so I thought it was more than that, but yeah. Mm. yeah. We're losing the thing is, I won. 
Well, that's the most. So that's my moment of the podcast. My moment of the podcast. And if you want to see it, you can go back and watch the joke handing video from the live podcast to get the full story. And the clip has gone all over the place at this stage. But for me, it's the fucking dogs and Aldi, the Richie Hogan story, Scal. I think it's. I think it's top class. It is. It's one of those stories where, like, it's, it's, when I hear it, I know exactly what's coming. Like, I, I laugh harder every time. Oh, it's so good. I keep laughing harder and harder. And I, and I, I must say, actually, um, it brings me on to, I met Joe Connolly at Jimmy Cooney's funeral, God rest him, mm. um, on, at the weekend there. And he passed me, and Joe Connolly said, We're in our islands lately. And <laughs> just kept walking, walking. So he, he obviously heard it too. <laughs> our range of listenership is, is, is broad. Yeah. But that the fucking dog of his elderly is absolutely brilliant. Every time I hear it, I laugh harder. Ah, oh, Jesus! I can just picture Richie with the feet up at home, like just, everything's great, peace and quiet. <laughs> and he's falling apart around, around him and he has the clue. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, Rich, Richie, all over. Yeah. Why do I think, Skell, you're going to pick the Iron Islands as your moment of the year? Then I'm not. No, I'm not going to pick the Iron Islands. I, uh, I just, I love the reaction. I'm going to pick Johnny Glynn, putting him in the team. Yeah, I put him at 14. That got a ridiculous reaction. I just remember, Mur- I just remember Murphy your reaction, Johnny fucking Glynn. Like, where are we going with this? Such a bolter. I nearly walked away. I nearly had to stand up and walk around after. It was gone. Oh, yeah. But even the, look, the road show in general, I suppose. Again, yeah, that was a, it was, a, it was a success if you ask me. And just there was loads of moments in that and stories and crack that that uh, you could pick from. I'd say there's 15 different Great choices. Crack. And do you know what we actually didn't speak about afterwards, which we found out after the fact, was the, the Premier Review boys were there. I think we were, yes. they were there. We didn't I think know. They definitely got a photograph, any of Scale yeah, yeah. in the tip jersey. And we didn't know that, uh, yeah, Scale in the tip jersey. We, we had no idea that he was going to be there. So fair play to them. Fair play to them coming up. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Here's one from Seamus Bridgman. But I had to get in because he, he was trying to be nice and I'm not sure if he was. Great season, men. Some good laughs during the way. Limerick flag. I rewatched the 2018 final recently. Was Limerick's first goal the worst goal that Skettle conceded in his career? He made up for it in the second half. That's what I mean by his being nice. With a brave save from Flanagan. Sorry for bringing up old wounds. Was it the worst goal you've ever conceded, Skettle? His wife yeah. is gone, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I don't know whether the Wi-Fi knowingly paused there, but I that thought was he was a dramatic pause. When I heard the name come up, Will, I text the wife and said, "Put on Netflix, put on Wi-Fi, put on everything, and get this Wi-Fi." <laughs> I don't know. I think he was trying to be trying to be genuine there. Uh, look, I don't mind at all. I said very thick skin, yeah. but uh, it was the worst goal I've ever conceded. Absolutely. Um, and was there a question in that? that? That was the question, was it? I think the question was, yeah, was it the worst goal you ever conceded? Yeah, it is, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Short and sweet, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Right, next question. I'll quick fire through these before we finish up, so. Um, D. Bulfin, this one for you, Murph. Would the current Clare panel have won in Ireland in the past five years if they had a different manager? I don't know. I'd be more inclined to say no, uh, because I think... Like Brian Lawn has gotten a huge amount out of them, and there was times if you go back maybe three years ago, um, even even actually, do you know what? There's one match which sticks out to me. The time John Connor went back to centre back, um, Clare were playing up in Corrigan Park, and Antrim bet them. I think that was two years ago. I think it was the start of last year, maybe the previous year. And there was people talking that Brian Lawn should walk away at that stage, but he's after getting such a huge amount out of Clare that I don't think 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a lot of people saw it coming. So I don't know, like outside of the obvious of like Paul Knurk and John Kiley being over them or whatever, I don't think Brian Lowen or anybody could have got a better um, better result out of Clare. Like granted, that doesn't answer the question of whether Clare feel that they should have won, like let's say last year's semi-final or this year's semi-final. That's I think is a different question because Brian Lowen got them there to, to that stage. But um, no, I don't think so. I think... And it's, it's, it's a compliment to Brian Lowen and his team that they have gotten a huge amount out of that player team and brought on a few more players as well. So I think to be fair to them, I'd be more inclined to say, no, what they've gotten has been really good. Granted, Clare fans will feel they should have won in All-Ireland, but I, maybe that's just not in the tank for them at the moment. But look, I think Claire, I think Brian Lowen has done a great job with them and he's had them really well. And look, at they've beaten a Limerick team in a round-robin stage and they've, they've had a few really good markers. So I don't think so. Okay. Uh, this is one that's a dream for you, Skell, from Real Cher Aiden. In a Premier League-style transfer window, which hurler in Ireland right now would demand the highest transfer fee? Yeah. Now, this reminds me of another great moment on the pod this year, which was Keane Lynch is packing his bags for Antrim. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of factors here right so I always think of these questions right I'm signing this man now to a five year contract yeah so that's why I automatically have to rule out the the TJs this world to be honest right um, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about someone who's got a bit of longevity coming so I'm looking towards a Gillan and I'm looking towards a Kyle Hayes I think they would have the largest fee um, it's hard for me to argue Tony Kelly, again, I'm looking at the age, not old by any means, but I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I'm i going Kyle Hayes I, at the moment. I just think he's, he's, uh, I just think he's unreal, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I think your him. number one draft pick, Keane Lynch, would go for big money as well. Because I think any team oh, he would want to build a team around him. He would have cost 100%. But yeah. Fuck, that's a hard money. question. If you ask me tomorrow now, I could, I could say Keane Lynch, you know. Murph, who would you say would be the most expensive? Um, yeah, you'd probably you'd have to go Keane Lynch um, straight off the bat. But like, I'm, I'm I'm just trying to think of other teams to think that to think that like Keane Lynch makes a high performing team better. perform even better because he he links it all together. But some teams just need a really good player to lift like everybody around them and like you know just to do the basics really well. And I'm trying to think does that come into it? Obviously a factor is that you want you know you want age as well. But like said Dermot Burns as well. Like I mean I think a lot of teams if they had a right half back who's scoring potentially seven or eight points a game, so consistent on the freeze and is brilliant driving forward, like he'd be up there. I don't think he'd be the top. But I would have to say I'd have to say Key and Lynch for this one. Just because another factor as well is how many players can do what player X does you know if, if, if you pick a player and say you can think of five or six other players that also do that that kind of brings down their value a little bit very few players can do what Keane Lynch does to link it all together so I just think he has to be he has to be the top and as well like he's years ahead of him like you know yeah good thing that uh, the JP McManus money is there so they can keep hold of him uh, suggestion for oh. next year's fantasy yeah. oh. 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 that was a joke <laughs> oh. I like to, like to distance myself from here <laughs> I wasn't trying to, you know, red rag to a ball. It was going to be a joke about the fact that it got a benefactor. I never mind. Um, suggestion for next year's fancy: do a draft episode. Each player is different players. RN eighty. I, I, I think we might do one of them next year. Um, okay, I like this one to finish. 
Paul6561, because everyone will forget if we do them now rather than in March. Name the three teams to come out of Munster next year. The drive for five is on for Limerick, Abu. Um, Who are your three teams to come out of Limerick, lads? Clare Cork, Limerick. Bloody hell, that was quick. I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to go with it. I think you can overthink it. I, like, and again, have to give, like last year, I left Clare out of it, I'm fairly sure, mm-hmm. based on the question mark over the semi final uh, last year. So, sorry, I left them out this year based on the semi final for last year. So, I think the equivalent of that you kind of have to say about Tipperary this year. Like, I mean, they were performing really well during the league, but probably just hit their peak at the wrong time. Um, so, give credit. Like, Cork were very unlucky to be knocked out. They, well, not unlucky. Look, they'd only won one game. So, like, you get what you, I suppose, you get what you deserve really there. But Cork are showing savage promise, I think, at the moment. Um, Limerick or Limerick. And then, again, Waterford, we don't know where they're going to go from here. Um, you'd like to think that they're going to step back up and really, you know, I suppose, get back into the mix of things. Tipperary have great potential, but again, they just fell flat um, when, when, it, when it came most important. So, you have to give it to, I think you just have to give it to Limerick, Cork and Clare. Okay, I'm going Limerick, Clare, Tip. Tip just to get out of Cork. I think the top two again will be uh, Limerick and Clare. Skell, for you? Um, I think if, the, if so, it's reversing the fixtures. That means Limerick go to Clare this, this year coming, or 2024. And that means Limerick go down to Cork, don't they? They do. So I don't see Cork coming out of the group. So I'm going to go to Limerick, Clare. I'm going to go with you and Tip as well. Hmm. Okay, there's a lot of time between now and then, but that's our colours to the mast now in August of 2023. Come back in March of next year, and I'm sure we'll have changed uh, quite a bit between now and then. And the other one thing I just want to mention before we went is that Edwina Shannon sent me a lengthy message last night, which was really, really well laid out. And it's something I'm definitely going to bring up in the Camogie covers that we have this week. So uh, Cork, unbelievably impressive against Waterford in the Camogie final yesterday. I only got to see it today. And almost my watching of it was coloured a little bit by Edwina's comments where she was having a look at how Cork are playing a tremendous amount like Limerick at the moment and particularly Liam Cronin, their hurling coach and the influence that he's had. And this was kind of half in my head already because I was chatting to Adrian O'Sullivan, the former Dublin and Offaly manager, has managed UL, is involved with Galway this year. And he was making the point that Amy Lee's puckouts are very like Nicky Quaid's in the style of puckouts. I definitely saw that looking throughout the game. And Laura Tracy sits in position an awful lot like Declan Hannon. So I was kind of thinking, you know what? There is a similarity to this. And then she was pointing out Amy O'Connor, who got the hat-trick yesterday, plays a tremendous amount like Aaron Galan as well. So maybe there's something in this. Maybe the blueprint of the way that Limerick are playing at the moment is now being taken up by some of the Camogie teams. I, I wish I hadn't hadn't read her email before seeing the match and then I kind of got that comment. It's funny, when I watch it then, I'm like, oh, this is very similar to the way that Limerick moved the, way, the ball between the lines and the fact that Cork were so dominant as well had a certain Limerickness about it as well. But might be one for the comments. It might be one to watch out for next year that Cork Camogie are playing a bit like Limerick and what an All-Ireland for Cork to have beaten the last two All-Ireland champions in the quarterfinal, semi-final and then to produce the champagne performance on the big day against Waterford as well. Uh, incredibly well done. First O'Duffy Cup since 2018 for Cork that's where we leave it lads for this season um, kind of weirdly I'll see you in a few weeks time in person uh, but we'll be back for season 3 in the new year as well James Skell it's been a pleasure thank you guys it's been it's, been, it's hard to think it's been what 30, 30 episodes or whatever it is uh, I think we're on 37 today yeah 37 episodes mm. mother of god yeah <laughs> 
I just, just say it I didn't mean no, I, I meant that from a time perspective. I meant how I thought you meant that from oh, I can't believe I had to go through thirty seven of these. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I, I, I was just gonna say, like Will, Will, you were just saying good luck to Skell there and he went off into like his soliloquy, like he was going to get real emotional there. So I was like, Skell, he's saying goodbye to you. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, I just my, my brain's in a different spot. I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm getting angry. Yeah, he's not really? hungry for more pods. Right, we'll forgive you. We'll forgive you. Great to see you. Great to see you. Mur- Murph, it's also been a pleasure. Thanks a million. Sound. Thanks, lads. Cheers, lads. See you soon. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Gord Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. <laughs>